welcome! Welcome to Anna Musings! Come in! Come in! Oh, how wonderful! We just love having visitors, even though David can be a bit of a beast sometimes around them. <laughs> I ain't no beast. <laughs> I'm the best. You, you, you put an, an unnecessary A in there. Sorry, my bad. Wait, <laughs> unnecessary... Oh. <laughs> you, 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 spelled, you spelled best wrong. Even he could be the best about it. I'm Are sorry. I'm just around? Nothing's gonna ever keep me down. Hello! Yes! I'm, actually, Kayla, that was that was beautiful. And what attraction was that from? Uh, that's from, um, Disney World. Actually, it has something to do with the movie we're actually talking about. Really? It's almost like people didn't read the title! <laughs> uh, no, there's a, there is an attraction at Disney World, um, called, uh, like, it's like Belle's Enchanted Tales or something like that. Like, you begin by walking through, um, Belle's home and then end up inside the castle and they do this cute little show oh nice let's check that out next time we're there yeah it's it's definitely meant for kids but i think you'll love the details but they have a restaurant there now that's beauty and the beast themed yeah. so i hear you have to order for that like way in advance though i've heard way that advanced bookings i will say uh the the, the red rose tavern here at uh mm-hmm. disneyland has really good food though and it's gaston theme because it's supposed to be gaston's tavern <laughs> And uh, the the beef uh, poutine, it's, mm, mwah, it's very good. Anyway. I think the most uh, park food that I've ever personally had is a uh, waffle once at Disney, and I think that's about the extent of it. Yeah, they <laughs> they've gotten a little bit more um, quote unquote sophisticated about the food they serve. Mm-hmm. I guess we, we discovered how good the food has become through Sade. Sade apparently is a Disney food connoisseur. Apparently, Sade just is uh, <laughs> yeah. a Disney foodie to the to the max, and we appreciate that. Just, yeah, whenever we bring Sade to the parks, uh, he's like, "Okay, you have we have to try this, 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 and this." I'm like, <laughs> and we, we've discovered so many things through Sade that way. Oh, we're getting off on a tangent. I and mean, I know knowing us will be here. This is this will be the new longest running episode. I'm almost certain, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, I'm uh, I'm David and I'm Kayla and uh I guess we've already said this is Animusings. And, yes. And um we have a special guest with us. We actually have an animator. Oh my god. An animator <laughs> and an artist. Yes. Uh Beth Morton. Hi. I'm Beth. As we said, hello. Hi. <laughs> Uh, and Beth is, will be joining us to talk about 1991's Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Also known as La Belle et La Bette. No, it's not. Not this one. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> the, that movie does have correlation, though. I know it does. But, um, I mean, before we get into this, I, and before we, like, just fall down this into this enchanted castle of, of discussion, uh, do we want to talk about the history of this film, why it's here, how it came about? Yeah, I can offer that. Tell us um, a little about the making of there is, Beauty and the Beast. By the way, there is quite the extensive history. Mm-hmm. Um, I should begin by talking about another film first, and David just referenced it. It's called uh, Le Belle et le Bête, and it is a French film uh, by Jean Cocteau uh, from 1946. Mm-hmm. The reason why it's important is, um, well, it had a huge influence on this film, I can tell you that. Oh, uh, yeah. For uh <laughs> So Beauty and the Beast was actually one of those uh, fairy tales that was actually going to be considered to be being made into a film actually by Walt, like during the 1930s. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, that point it's like, oh, look, um, Snow White did well. Hmm. Let's consider. Beauty. Let's look at all the fairy tales ever. Yeah. And um, uh, so that was actually a project that he had on in mind. But anytime he tried to develop it, it didn't work out too well. And then. One of the reasons that's been just suggested or 
um, some people, the animators have said is that uh, he may have been discouraged by the fact John Cocteau did make La Belle in La Bette in 1946, so that was like that perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And I think another reason why it was shelved is because that's also that perfect timing where like World War II hit, there's the animator strike, everything. Yeah, and we've gone over that, well, many a times on this show in previous episodes. So yes, it was shelved. Um for a very long time, until uh, 1986, uh, or I think it's 86? I could be wrong. But it was re- resurrected during uh, production of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Um, they, Disney actually asked uh, Richard Williams, who is the animation director for uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, to direct Beauty and the Beast. Because mm-hmm. um, they were considering having their like London satellite create the film. And he said, no, I want to work on Thief and the Cobbler. I want to work on my baby project. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about Thief and the Cobbler so bad because that is such a fascinating history. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Quite an extensive one, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and But instead, he did recommend uh, Richard Purnham, uh, a colleague of his. And Richard Purnham started off as the original director of this. But this was when... This was going to be, like, based off the original fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't going to be a musical. There wasn't going to be any songs. It was just going to be purely, like, the musical. Yep. Um, and uh, when Jeffrey Katzenberg saw the storyboard reels in 1989, he's like, nope, done. Scrap it. We're starting from scratch. I don't want this. So Purdom's like, well... Gosh, Darn I it, don't... Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> well, it kind of worked out for the best. Cause... No, you're right. But in this case, but it's just so... <clears throat> yeah, I know. He He's very... When he makes decisions, it's very, like... They're very strongly done. Like, these are... Mm-hmm. Like, anytime he makes a decision, it's like, scrap it all together. Stop everything. Re-edit it. Like, I, I, yeah. this man has no... He has no qualms about just being like, it's dumb. Yeah. Shelve it. I don't want it. Go away. Put it all in the garbage. Burn all of it. <laughs> Fire. Don't want it. Get it out of my sight. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Richard Purnham re- resigned as a director because he's like, well, I if I worked really hard on this, so um, I'm... yeah, by Katzenberg. So they're like petty, petty, no petty so and so. Okay, so uh, they asked Clement and Musker, and they were like, oh God, no, we just worked on Little Mermaid. We're tired. Please no. Leave us alone. So Give then, us a break, please. God, please, no more. Uh, so then they asked, uh, they actually hired, sorry, hired uh, first-time directors, Kirk Weiss and Gary Truesdale. All they did was uh, work on a theme park ride. Uh, yeah, that's it. Like, they did an animation for a theme park ride at Disney, so. Okay. Um, also, um, in addition, uh, Kassenberg asked Howard Ashman and Ella Menken to write the score and song for this. This is a very important part. I like it's kind of weird how big this is. So Howard Ashman um was not doing well. He it was discovered he had AIDS and he was dying from complications of it. Um a, during that time he was working on Aladdin, but he agreed to work on this. Hmm. Uh I'm shocked. Like that is that takes guts. Like yeah. wow. Yeah, really. Um, Disney was kind enough that they realized, okay, we can't continue working in London. So they actually moved it to New York, Mm -hmm. uh, where he lives, so they can make it easier on him. Oh, wow. So production completely moved to New York. Um, 
so at that time, also, another interesting thing is um, uh, Michael Eisner decided uh, to bring in a screenwriter. This is kind of unusual because before that, um, they usually just develop it by storyboards mm. rather than start with a script. What's even more unusual, they brought in a female screenwriter, Linda Wolverton. Mm-hmm. So, and she is the first female screenwriter for Disney. Oh, wow. Yeah. And sh- she, along with Howard Ashman, Alan Menken, um, as well as, uh, Kirkwise Truesdale and Don Hahn, who we've known to work on other films before this, uh, who friend Roger Rabbit being one of his main ones, uh, got together and started r- working on the script and working on ideas with it. Um, ha- on Ashman and Mencken were the ones who were like, what if we made the, uh, uh, items enchanted and they could talk and everything? And they took a lot of inspiration from, guess again, John Cocteau's, uh, La Belle La Bette. Um, makes sense. You can see a lot of that film inspired this film. Like, yeah. The castle has that eerie, dark feel and, um, they actually added a villain of Gaston, where in that movie, too, there's also a, like, charming, like, handsome villain as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, another thing, too, is they gave him only two years instead of four. No. Oh. Uh, oh, good. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. Well, what saved them was uh, the cap system, which we talked about in Rescuers Down Under, mm-hmm. which was the use of digital scanning, ink, paint, the whole things, and that was developed by Pixar. Yep. So Pixar has stepped in again to help save them. <laughs> um, I'm going back to Ashman again. Again, it's weird how insane this is. Um, he died eight months before this film was released hmm. at the age of 40. Hmm. Um, he did not get to see the finished film, but he did see the unfinished film of its format. And... Um, at the end of the film, you actually see uh, a tribute to him that says, To our friend Howard, who gave a mermaid her voice and a beast his soul. We will be forever grateful. Huh. Yes, I know. And interestingly enough, um, I, and I think I'll bring this up as we go throughout the film, uh, Howard Ashman um, inputted a little bit of his life as an LGBTQ man, a gay man, into this. And there is actually a, quite a bit of LGBT themes in mm-hmm. this film, strangely enough. Um, he even said that, uh, or even joked like, I can't believe they allowed us to write a five-minute opening number where Belle's talking about her provincial life and all of them saying, I'm afraid she's rather odd, very different from the rest of us. Like, he was shocked that he got away with those lyrics. <laughs> like, some of these lyrics. Right. Because they, again, once we get into it, I can, I'll go into more detail. Yeah. Uh, the budget for this was $25 million. You want to know how well it did? <laughs> um, Take a wild guess! It made, like, what, ten times its budget? Something stupid like that? In Nor- North America alone, $145.9 million. Wow. $352 million worldwide. Dang. It was the most successful animated Disney film picture and the first animated film to reach a hundred million in the United States and Canada. Wow! To make it even more strange, it got nominated for um, four Academy Awards. But here's the funny part: <laughs> uh, one of them is Best Original Song. Three of their songs got nominated. Wow! Uh, Bell, the, um, the opening. Uh, the opening. Be our guest. 
and Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Beauty and the Beast won. And they also won for Best Original Score. Nice. Um, they were also nominated for Best Sound. And then here's the strangest one. They were nominated for Best Picture. I remember this detail. This was the first film, animated film, to ever be nominated for Best Picture. And this is when it only had five nominees. Right. In 2009, they increased it to ten nominees. And that's when WALL-E became the second uh, right. uh, animated picture to be nominated. All right. It lost to Silence of the Lambs, but whatever. <laughs> um, Wait, Beauty and the Beast lost to Silence of the Lambs? Yes. Oh. Silence of the Lambs won for Best Picture that year. Hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> now, as I mentioned before, Ashman had already passed away, but he did win posthumously the Academy Award for Best Original Song. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. And uh, his longtime romantic partner, Bill Launch, um, accepted the award on his Aww. behalf. So I love that. Yeah, it... Again, it's amazing how much of an effect this film had <laughs> in the, uh, this studio. I know a lot of people are like will say Little Mermaid is the one that started all. This is the one that's like, oh, wow, <laughs> this made a difference. Mm -hmm. So what's your personal histories, guys? <laughs> oh, boy. So you're just bringing this on us now. All right. Um, <laughs> I owned this one. I owned this one on uh, VHS, the clamshell, back in the day. Watched it a lot. Uh, sad I don't have the tape anymore, but like all the other tapes that were given away by my father because he just wanted them gone because they were taking up room. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great loss, a great loss for me. I, I have very fond memories of this movie and watching it and big chunks of it. Like, I know this movie backwards and forwards for the most part. Certain parts of it just really stick out in my mind, but yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, even rewatching it, I'm like, this is, this is a good chunk of my childhood right here. This movie is is um, very very important for me for that. Yeah, reason. it's a real shame that that got uh, got uh, uh, taken away. I know. Uh, parents don't really seem to to understand uh, nostalgic or or uh, you know monetary value with with those kinds of things. Yeah, especially considering uh, I looked up the price of the asking price now for a thing that my dad essentially gave away to a goodwill, and. Um, <laughs> My eyes just about popped out of my head because <laughs> I had that exact VHS and now it's gone and I'll never see it again and I'll never have that mm -hmm. sweet, sweet uh, money. So um, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, those Black Diamond ones are, are especially yeah. uh, up there in terms of price. Yeah, and the they ones. just they don't that was they the don't. One. Yeah. Parents just parents just don't they don't get it. They don't understand uh, uh, how how much that stuff is worth. Yes, Mom. Yes, I can sell the shiny Charizard card for that much money. Yes. <laughs> I still have the shiny Charizard card, though. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to sell it. Because, like, anything I've collected over time has just gotten more valuable. <laughs> um, I'm I, looking at... I, I mean, I, I want to give... I mean, which oh, which of man. you would like to talk about your personal new, personal history with the movie next? I'm going to mm -hmm. go for a very long time. I know I am. You, you want to tell you, uh, uh, Beth? Yeah, I'll, I'll step in first. Okay. Um... So I had uh, my own copy of it on VHS as well. I saw it quite a bit growing up. It is probably one of my uh, all-time favorite Disney classics from that era. Uh, I I also probably shouldn't get too deep into it now, but I, I grew up a lot as well on uh, a lot of the sequel films that they produced as well. Mm-hmm. 
uh, mainly mainly the the Christmas one that they put out. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as well as. Uh, one that was like a pilot episode of sorts, uh, where Bell right. was a live action actress. That's right. Uh, that was a bit of an odd decision because, that, to my knowledge, that was just like recycling Mary Melody uh, cartoons. Yeah, it was like, like Bell's Enchanted World or something, stuff. right? Yeah, that was it exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember this. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, one one particular short that they put in in one of uh one of those uh uh, uh episodes happened to uh, leave quite a bit of an impact on me, but I don't know if it's quite related enough to discuss right now. Well, now I'm curious though. Well, one of the ones that they repackaged was the uh, Hansel and Gretel story, and. Oh. Uh, that one was quite a bit disturbing. Oh, is that uh, the one where they was like the witch rock thing at the end? Yeah, it's the, it's mainly mainly the thing that got to me was was her like dumping substances onto small children and locking them in cages to turn them into creepy crawlies. Yeah, uh, I don't, don't know why they repackaged that one. Uh, not a fan of that. What? Um, <laughs> we'll look this one up. I don't remember this. We'll look this one up later. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, but yeah, um I I uh I uh I liked the film quite a bit growing up. Um had a decent chunk of merchandise related to the film in the house. I'm relatively sure that we had some kind of plastic cup in the shape of chip, I think. Aw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aw. Yeah, I was I was quite quite a bit fond of it. Oh god. Um I can tell you without a doubt, this is my favorite Disney film of all time. And after rewatching it, this is still true. Um, I grew up with this film. Uh, I did own the clamshell. Um, another thing, too, is uh, my family, especially my dad, made a lot of reference to it growing up. Like, he actually would, uh, one of the things he would randomly say is, it's it's true, LeFou. Or, <laughs> like, uh, out of blue, he'd be like, more beer? Or, um, again, a lot of jokes from that movie, or little clips from that movie, especially from, like, Gaston LeFou, he would make references to. Um, and that those were jokes, in-jokes that we made throughout my, in my um, family. And uh, along with that, um, as a kid, like, like very, very little, um, I just saw it as a Disney movie. As I got older, though, I realized how beautiful it was, and I felt for it quite a bit, especially... Um, Probably around the age of nine or ten, I really related to Belle. Like that, like, um, as someone who was also an introverted bookworm, <laughs> who was a very awkward child, I felt for that. Um, and I, abs- I, I don't know why, I just absolutely fell in love with it as I more and more got older. Like, when it came out, um, there was like a re-release in, um, uh, on the big screen. Uh, I went to go see it, <laughs> and I loved it then. I got the DVD, um, as I got older, uh, there I still would rewatch it like, time and time again. I had this movie memorized. I know all the songs. I can probably say it line for line for line. Uh, and uh, anytime I watch any rendition of it, I still my heart just leaps. Like when I saw I saw the musical for this, 
and my heart was just leaping. Even when I saw the live action, and I'm not going to lie, live action is kind of bad, I still, my heart still leaped because that story just resonates with me quite a bit. I I don't, I haven't, I haven't seen that one and I don't really plan on it. You don't have that's to. Okay. It's uh, not, it, it's Kayla not and I saw it together and uh, it's it's better than Dumbo, but that's not it, saying it much. I've not good, heard good things about Dumbo. So yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound like it's saying a whole lot. We happened to talk to uh, Justin Keyson and Andrew Lindy on Nothing New. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, about Dumbo uh, a few months ago, so um, I I I'm mad at them for making me watch that film, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not mad. At them. It's That's fine. Fair. True. They certainly plugged us a lot on their episode. They just did on Lady and the Tramp. So thanks, guys. Um. So yeah, that's I. You know. So I think I think that this movie definitely resonated for all of us and in different ways and profound ways. So why mm-hmm. why? Let's find out. Let's talk about the composition of this movie. Let's get right into the very... Could it Could it maybe be because it's a tale of souls this time? I don't know. That's yeah. a <laughs> Can it also be because the, the music, not just the music, but the score is incredible mm-hmm. as evidence when we first get into the movie. And the very yep. first thing we see is a woodland landscape, the waterfall, and in the distance is this castle. And you get that mo- that motif that goes through, that lay motif that goes through the rest of the movie. Um, mm. It's those first, like, opening notes notes and they yeah i forgot just how like iconic just that little bit of it was i spotted the first bit of reused animation in this scene too oh yeah because <laughs> there's a deer in the bat in the distance down by the water and it looks up and i'm like that's bambi's mom <laughs> that's just bambi's mom i also i also like the fact that it, the beginning story is told with uh stained glass windows it's so beautiful i love that detail oh my god it's so beautiful yeah. and it's really like usually when when i think of stained glass windows depicting people uh i think of like the the more um uh what's the word for it like definitely the more religious ones mm-hmm. where uh you have like depictions of of human faces where like the human face part is like uh uh just like painted directly on and it's like one piece where the rest of it is a segmented stained glass part yeah but this feels so much different from that it like does. every it does. part of it does feel like segmented it's very heavily stylized it's so it's so good yeah it is really good <laughs> it's also a good way mm-hmm. to cuz it is the exposition portion mm-hmm. and this could have been poorly done let's be honest well, like the fact oh, that yeah. it's all and the fact that it's all done in stained glass does lead a legendary quality to it like oh, we yeah. are getting the backstory and we're seeing it presented in this like it's it, it gives it a mystical element um mm-hmm. and yeah so that we get the we get the setup with the prince uh the arrogant prince who is cursed by an enchantress to become a beast until his 21st year we get some key details on this moment yeah mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. His 21st year is when the rose will finally wilt. And if he doesn't find love by that point, he will remain a beast forever. So how old, before we get any additional information, how old do do we think our prince is in this moment? Do you want to just say it right now? Well, we might as well jump ahead. Later in Be Our Guest, we hear Lumiere say the line, 10 years we've been rusting. And I go, wait a minute. So they've been animated objects due to this enchantress's curse for 10 years. So... Mm. The prince was 11. Well, okay, here's when this happened. There's another theory. There okay. is another theory that he was actually 21 or um or maybe the age, we don't know the age itself. He he could have been older, but mm-hmm. he may have been stuck uh 
like he stopped yeah. aging as a human and instead aged as mm-hmm. like a beast. Yeah, wait. Or or like all of them were literally just like in the the in like the the state that they were were just completely frozen. I, I, and when the spell was reversed, they just reverted back to what they were initially when I the spell be- initially happened. Honestly, I believe that more with the objects cuz like when you're That's an ob- fair. when you're an object if you're turning to an object, why would you age? Like, right. mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you get dusty, like, objects get dusty more, or they rust a little bit. And even then, they said 10 years we've been rusting. So, like, clearly, they're kind of aging in that way, but I don't think they actually age, like, they're actual... Mm-hmm. Right, but does that apply... That would, that would also put Chip's age into question, too. Yeah, because right. Chip is, like, five. Like, or this this is, like, a seven-year-old boy or eight-year-old boy. Well, he and he would have been locked in that state. But the objects, it makes sense, but, like... I guess maybe that's also true. That could also be true of the beast. Come mm-hmm. to think of it, every time we see his portrait, because one of the first times we see anything beyond the stained glass that's moving is the beast's claw raking that portrait. But here's another thing of too. Himself. Look at the portrait. That portrait was abso- absolutely made before he was. Yeah, and I'm about to say and that shows that an shows man. an adult man. So yeah, yeah. So I, <sighs> I I'm starting to think maybe your your second theory is right. Maybe he mm-hmm. is frozen in sort of the age state he was, and they have 10 years to get it done, because maybe he was about to turn 21 when this happened, you know? And now he's perpetually locked in a beast state and doesn't technically doesn't age because now he's this this ageless monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, the, the numbering is off. It, it, it really it's is It's an off. enchantress, though, because, like, magic is... Magic doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, but in this no. case, they, not all, it's they nice when it numbers, does. But though. that's the problem. If they would have not used numbers, like said, until his twenty-first year, and then then later them say ten years, we've been rusting. Like nobody would question it. They'd be like, okay, so like, oh, so again, you know what? What if? What if? Hmm. Mm, it doesn't. It doesn't quite line up. It doesn't quite line up. But you could maybe argue that they've been they've been stuck in that uh, uh, state that they are in for 21 years, and it's only, like, 10 years back that they started to show wear and tear. That's an option, That's too. actually not a bad, I, bad thought. Well, that would also explain if it's been more than two decades. I mean, there's a... but I, we This is not the first timing issue I have with this movie, because we were really thinking about this when we watched this, about the, the, mm. the way time flows in this movie. By the way, I'm not saying that the movie is not expertly paced, because my goodness is this movie paced really well. Oh, it's an amazing like, pacing. The pacing in this movie is amazing. Um, but, um, I mean, the passage of time in this movie is a little, is a little unusual. And that's what I want to talk about later. So, so that's good. Mm. We're bringing this up now because if it's been more than two decades since the curse hit, mm-hmm. then that would explain why everybody near, even remotely nearby forgot about this castle and this prince's mm. existence, you know? I mean, that is possible. Like he's remained the same age. He, that maybe he has been here 21 years, but then it's like, they just started rusting 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That is a possibility. I do. I mean, if it weren't for the painting, I would say he was a spoiled 11 year old boy who was taught a lesson by a really, really mean enchantress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even then, the lesson. Which would explain why he's mo- emotionally stunted, you know? Mm-hmm. He, because he's an ageless beast, he never gets an chance to emotionally mature. Well, uh, we can get into that later because I actually have some theories about why he is the way he is, too. Okay. But yeah. Um... Where are your parents? <laughs> uh,. The new movie tries to explain this, but... We're not taking... Remember, um, uh, the way I look at these movies is in a vacuum. We're yes. not talking about uh, sequels or prequels or remakes. 
because I I know because if people kept in other things people have brought up oh what but in but in the sequel you know Lucifer is still around I'm like sequel isn't canon sequel doesn't count Lucifer <laughs> fell out a window and died <laughs> that's why he's on our plummet counter you just want that cat to die don't I you? hate that cat <laughs> <laughs> so we so then so then we get introduced to our female lead Belle in a beautiful multiplane. This is a yeah. This is an exquisite shot, wouldn't wouldn't you say, Beth? Like that. This is first yeah, shot. Where she's yeah, yeah. And I started. Um, that's about when I started really paying attention to um how the uh, backgrounds were painted, and uh-huh. I've got a lot of notes on those. Um, but I I really noticed just how like it was a lot of pale yellows and like muted fall colors, but it was still like not not quite pastel-y, but like around there, and they are. They are gorgeous. Yeah. They're very well done. I, I think it's really good to help us establish what season it is. Yeah. Because that was something, um, when I was little, I'm like, wasn't it like spring? Why was it suddenly winter? But then rewatching, I'm like, oh no, it's clearly fall. Like there's, um, mm. there's a mm. person carrying pumpkins, um, like there's fallen leaves, like, and the trees are all covered in like bright yellows and oranges. Mm-hmm. It's clearly fall time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's something that I picked up on at the time. No, this I just noticed it. <laughs> yeah, this is on this watch. I was really noticing like that aspect of it. Um, but we have Bell. We get introduced to Bell, and we definitely get introduced to Bell in a five-minute song called Bell, <laughs> where literally every and if you didn't know this was a musical coming into it, you certainly have no doubt that this mu- this universe works on musical logic now, mm-hmm. where everybody yeah. can stop what they're doing and sing a song, and it's kind of. Like scream about how they need more eggs. <laughs> yep, I need six eggs. That's <laughs> um, there's also well, I mean, the other thing too is like Belle. There's a line later where she goes to uh, Maurice. I know we're jumping ahead a little bit. We're gonna do that, but he's like, "Papa, do you think I'm odd? Like, Why would you think that?" And I lean to Kale and so with everybody in the the freaking village saying very loudly behind you, your back, that you're an odd person. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I don't know. And I'm like, mm, musical logic. Uh, you know, actually, okay, so this isn't too far off. Like, someone, okay, someone who worked on this grew up in a small town because um, uh, my mom grew up in the small town. And a lot of my family members in the small town is kind of like this. There's this kind of, there's this idea, like, um, if you're, you, like, when I mentioned that, when I went to go visit, like, my family there like a few years ago uh i was saying like oh yeah i uh work at a university i do this and they're just like oh uh uh, oh yeah you went to school like no one there um they graduate high school and then that's it they all do kind of uh blue collar jobs and they gossip a lot like they love Mm -hmm. to like talk about um each other like oh did you hear about this is this did you hear about this is this and it's like and from what I've heard from other people who have that same sort of small town life, yeah, that's pretty common. This mm-hmm. is a very common thing. And- yeah, I grew up in a very, very small uh, village, and it's the kind of area where everybody knows anybody. Mm-hmm. And if someone is doing something stranger off-brand, that news spreads real quick, mm-hmm. real, real fast. Yeah, <laughs> and I think this was also the case this this definitely shows here. This is actually quite believable. This is, and it makes sense why also she would be someone who likes to read and is intelligent. Her dad is an mm. inventor. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, you realize to be an inventor, you kind of require uh, a desire for curiosity and also a lot of reading and a desire for knowledge. You kind of have a, like have some sort of engineering background to be able to do this stuff. So, of course, mm-hmm. she's going to be like, have that sort of desire for intelligence, desire for... What's interesting about Belle, though, is her interests... And this this move, this song, this intro, this whole sequence does a very good job establishing who Belle is and also, to a degree, what she wants mm-hmm. and what she mm-hmm. likes. Because and, and this is a... Oh, God, this movie is brilliant. Um, <laughs> so we she has different interests than Maurice because she's very into the whole adventure story thing. Oh, yeah. Her favorite book that she's read twice and the bookseller, the bookshop it's guy just gives book. her is a, is a fantasy mm-hmm. story with a lot of high adventure and romance and um, magic and intrigue. And she's... That's again. That's another small town thing too. There's this idea. It's like you, especially for women, you get you grow old, you uh, you get married, and you have kids. And th- I feel like this is the kind of thing here. You get older, you get. There, women are expected to eventually get married and have kids. And mm-hmm. when we Gaston kind of expects that of her as, as well. Like, right? Should we should we talk about Gaston? Um, I do have a couple quick uh, uh, notes before then yeah just quick yeah um i i noticed this this may because it's been um a little while since i've seen too many other uh 2d disney films but it it might it might just be because like she's the princess and she's a protagonist and everything um but uh her her movements are a lot smoother than anybody else in the village everybody else in the village moves like at a kind of almost quicker, um, like what you what you'd attribute to like uh, uh, Mickey Mouse characters. It's like a different. Um, they almost move at a different frame rate. Uh, I, yeah, I, al- almost, almost. Um, it's just that they're they're yeah they're the movements between their frames are like a lot quicker and 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 snappier, uh, and that really like helps even more to sell how different she is from everybody else there there's another she stands out actually uh Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of history for this um the animators actually watched ballerinas move to encapsulate her movement because they wanted her to move elegantly and smoothly um especially as someone who's reading a book while she's walking through town they want to give this idea like she like she knows how to move and I really love the moment where she like hits that without looking at her book hits that signboard to keep the water from the gutter from falling on her. Mm-hmm. No, she has amazing peripheral vision. Um, <laughs> I I used to be like this. Like I could actually walk and read at the same time. Mm. Like I would actually read a book while walking to places and could easily continue reading. Yeah, you, I can see why you can relate to Belle. <laughs> yeah, like there's one, like, another thing oh you can God. relate to Belle on. I'm not graceful though. Like I bump into stuff all the time. I. It's which is funny. Like I could read a book and not bump into stuff, but like I'll walk normally, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just bumped into that table. Yeah, I don't blame Belle for wanting more because, like, not only is this town small and uninteresting to her, in her opinion, because everything's just the same all the time, but like everybody mm-hmm. just gossips about her behind her back. Yeah, who wants or to loudly in the street behind her back, singing it. So but, yeah, they did exam. <laughs> they actually watched ballerinas and examined how they move, and they applied that to her. Oh, that's fair. So yes, that. You were smart to pick that up. Yeah, they 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 made an effort to make her stand out from the rest of the crowd, not not just like with her character, but also like visually and and how how her movements were directed. 
Um, this mm-hmm. is this is also the same with uh, she is the only person that wears blue in this mm-hmm. in the whole town. No one else wears blue, and that's actually uh, a way to isolate her more. Mm. Um, and you'll also start to notice to blue, ki- uh, blue starts to play a role in terms of like good versus bad. It's so, super bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, like red is considered bad, blue is considered good, and um, as we as who's we can, the, who's got the most red outfit in this movie? Gaston, the, the character we meet <laughs> in this moment when he the first thing he does is shoot a goose out of the sky in oh, town, like in, uh, while in town in the middle of the streets, just shoots a goose <laughs> down. Uh, so we we get introduced to him and LeFou at the same time. Yes, in the same song, no less. So this is again superb pacing in this movie. We get our we get our heroine. We get our villain, and we get our villain's bumbling sidekick all in the same song. Mm. They're both amazing characters, by the way. Who Gaston and LeFou? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I yes. I want to. I do want to talk about them. If you're, if we're good to talk about them, I think we should be. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> David's been so excited to talk about Gaston. Um, well, Gaston is the best, and the rest is all giraffes. Um, <laughs> uh, well, more we'll say so. We have, we have Gaston, and right, on, right away, he's, like, the epitome of, like, machismo. Like, this is the, this is, this is toxic masculinity personified. And it's peak, yeah. <laughs> and LeFou is a great psychic. I love LeFou. He's, like, one of my favorites. Um, that's another thing about this movie that's so good and hard to replicate. We just, you know, after coming off The Rescuers and seeing a bunch of side characters that are kind of there and kind of obnoxious, and I don't care about them, the comedy beats with LeFou... They just work. Mm-hmm. He's funny. And he's a, a bumbling sidekick who doesn't come off as an idiot, you know? Mm-mm. I do appreciate he, that. He does make a couple of actually quips against Gaston, too. So it's kind of, which leads to some more bumbling humor. So. Right. So, I mean, we, I think we established pretty early that one of the reasons uh, LeFou hangs around with Gaston is because he's an awkward short guy who is apparently a, a bootlicker for the most handsome and and uh well-regarded man in the village mm-hmm. and that's going to help raise his station quite a bit and um uh gaston just kind of keeps lefou around because he needs someone to push around and brag to mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. a, he has someone to carry his loot for him that's so. true he's a he's a hireling mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but what do we think what do we think of gaston in this moment so he he's, he he immediately makes it clear that i'm going to marry that girl Cause she's hot. She's the most beautiful woman yeah, in the village. I. What does he personally see in Belle? I don't know if I get it. It's he, just because, looks. like, he's got he's got so many other girls off of hanging off of his arms, and like she's literally like the most outcast person in town. You, but and she's. I don't. You'd be surprised, like guy. It's. I've heard men tell me that, uh, like, oh, I want to go after this woman because she's a challenge and she's hot. Well, mm. he explains it's to LeFou kind of. that um, she's that's what yeah she's the most beautiful girl in the village, and he lists some other qualities about her because he he counters about yeah, but isn't she kind of you know isn't she? And he goes that makes her the best because she's hot. She's the most mm. prettiest girl there. So but if he, so it is it is because of the 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 challenge almost. If you think about it, uh, he's a hunter. Yes. He wants to get trophies. <gasps> oh yeah. If yeah, it's not a challenge, what's the point? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So. If he doesn't get, if he doesn't, like, it would be impressive to everybody in the village. Wow, Gaston conquered the girl that no one could understand. <laughs> like, he tamed the shrew. He tamed the shrew. It's a taming of the shrew situation. So, yeah, um, song ends, and then we get 
the first real in- encounter with Gaston and Belle, and yeah, it's pretty telling. She's not remotely mm-hmm. interested in him. No. And uh they they do a lot of visual stuff with how disrespectful he is to books mm-hmm. and you know, by extension just not understanding who Belle is as a person at all. Yeah. Because he doesn't care. All she Yeah. Cares. Yeah. Uh, Tossing it away in the mud, putting his dirty boots on it. My heart broke every time I saw that. I was like, no. <laughs> it's like seeing someone who um uh, dog ears a book. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> You're Satan. How dare you? <laughs> um but yeah, um and I actually like again, he's you could tell how much of a oh my gosh. Uh, there's the part where she's trying to she's trying to like politely get away from him, which is unfortunate. Um, and he's like, I have to go home and help my father. LeFou responding, Oh, that crazy old loon. Don't talk about that father my aunt that way. Yeah, don't talk about her father that way. I'm like, <laughs> you're so fake, Gaston. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, she says he's pr- positively primeval, which he does not know what that means. Yeah. Yep, has no idea. How can you read this? There's no pictures in it. Well, some people <laughs> use their imaginations. I mean... <laughs> Um, I do like the moment. My father's not crazy. He's a genius. Explosion. <laughs> Perfect timing. You know, in the back of her mind, she's thinking, oh, thank goodness, something exploded. I got away from this situation. Yeah. Uh, we meet Maurice next in his work, in his basement workshop. He's working on some sort of, it's a wood chopping device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, Cause that was something you said. It's like, what does it do? And I'm like, it chops wood. I was trying to remember specifically what it did because it seems huge. It's like a, it's almost like a tank. It's got wheels and everything. It's a little too huge to be chopping wood. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> but maybe that's what you have to do when you're. I, do we know what time period this is in? By the way, uh, it's mostly 17th century France. I think I read. Okay. Or, I mean, if it has to be coal fueled, then I'd assume that it would have to be a relatively big device to uh, to pull that off. Yeah, it is coal fueled. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I was also trying to pinpoint what time period this is because there's a bit later on. I'm going to put a pin in this one. Uh, Cogsworth, <laughs> okay. when during the tour of the castle, Cogworth's mentioned, Cogsworth mentions some uh, architectural styles specifically. I'm like, those <laughs> are no doubt from a specific time period. And I want to figure out if there's anything anachronistic there. Cause there's a couple anachronistic things that happen, but you can't be too hard on it. Cause it's an animated film, but Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> wait, till and I mean, even still, you're not going to get like everything perfect with uh, recreating stuff from a certain time period. Oh yeah. Wait till we get to Aladdin. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about Acronistic? <laughs> well, Jeez. Yeah, but, you know. Uh, anyway, so he's, he's um, Maurice is making this thing ready to go to some sort of fair. He's going to a fair in another town? Another yes. city, maybe? An inventor's fair. An inventor's fair. Uh, um, and then this is the part where uh, it's like, my daughter, odd. And it's like, why? <laughs> and she's mentioning, like, she doesn't really fit in. And it's like. That's the sad part when he's just recommended. It's like, well, what about Gaston? He seems to like you. Like the only guy, <laughs> eligible guy in town is. He's very handsome. Yeah, handsome and stuck up and selfish and boring. And he, she sees immediately that he's just fake. He's the fakest mm-hmm. person. Again, um, mm-hmm. He knows. Again, yeah. I'm gonna bring up the whole because you can tell Howard Ashman had quite the influence on this. Because uh, again, uh, an individual who's not attracted to someone that everyone's like, shouldn't you be attracted to them? Like, why aren't you attracted to them? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a weird counterpoint, though. A lot of people, I mean, the anime, uh, I can't remember who Gaston's chief um, 
animator was because oh. that was a nice thing about the credits you get the voice credit for the character the supervising animator and then mm-hmm. the additional animators yeah so and each each individual character had its own team to make sure that it stayed consistent in how it was approached mm-hmm. right i remember reading in a book somewhere that um gaston specifically in a bit of irony was inspired by um the really like the like guys at the gym, specifically the the word quote was used gay guys at the gym who had a lot of machismo. <laughs> so that's that's Gaston. He's that's what he was inspired by, apparently, his look and the way he moves. So um but yeah, it, it makes sense, honestly. Um and uh um but actually here's a here's a question. Maurice leaves to go to the fair with uh Philippe and pulling a wagon with the uh with the, the wood chopping contraption in it which and again mm-hmm. it working that's just the great moment you did it it's a nice little uh i do like the relationship between Belle and her father um, like well, you can tell they mm-hmm. care about each other which is nice you know when the parent really factors into the movie yeah one of the things uh and you'll see this quite a bit uh, that Belle does is she like a hair will fall from her hair and she puts it back um her voice actress Paige o'hara would do this constantly while um, doing voice acting and the animators like that. They're like, oh, let's add that. Um, this actually became a kind of a habit over time. Like um, animators, uh, when, when especially for Disney princesses, when they see like um, their voice actor do something, they're like, oh, let's add that to it. I like that. Like this, this a little little tick like that, uh, right? Yeah, this will come later too, like in Princess and the Frog. Uh, although this was more by the suggestion of the voice actress uh, Anika Noni Rose rather than them noticing it um she asked them she's like can you make her left-handed because she herself is left-handed oh that's cool um before this all everyone else was right-handed so awesome mm-hmm. so um the, the the question i have is like why doesn't bell go with him wouldn't it be cool to go to the inventor's fair with your dad and see all the cool stuff at the inventor's fair she has to keep track of her home like you realize they're on a farm right kind of there's chickens and that's about the extent of it i don't she doesn't want to cramp his style. Yes. She doesn't. She's so awkward. She doesn't want to make her dad feel. I, I just assume she's just staying to keep watch over the homestead. I don't know. And maybe he's not. The fair is not for a long time. Maybe it's only for a couple of days. I don't know. Yeah, it probably is. Because I. Okay, this is where we start. This is where I'm going to start asking questions about the passage of time. So, Maurice, we get a little montage of him going through some very gorgeous uh, countryside. Before he gets mm-hmm. to the spooky, spooky woods and gets lost. Now, this is night one. Yes. Okay. Uh, Maurice and Philippe are trying to find their way through the woods. I love the way the woods look. Very spooky. By the way. Mm-hmm. Very sleepy mm-hmm. hollow. All that, all that blue and, and really uh, uh, jagged shapes. It's really nice looking. Yeah, it really uh, is. You're going to be hearing that a lot. Hey, they did this with the background. It looks nice. Well... <laughs> This is, I mean, I'm glad we're on the same page because, like, I, I still think one of my favorite, my two favorite Disney movies for backgrounds are Lady and the Tramp and um, and The Jungle Book. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is up there with them, too. But, by the mm-hmm. way, you know that sign they come across and they can barely read it? Yeah. You know what it actually says? What? Uh, let's see if you know these towns, David. Saugus, Newhall, Valencia, and Anaheim. <laughs> They're all towns in Southern California. I love that. Actually, you can barely read the signs, so it almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I was expecting it to say like "Dinosaur Gap." Never <laughs> mind, you know stuff like that. <laughs> um, the big Thunder Mountain reference. Anyway, um, I like how Philippe 
feels like he should. Like, Philippe knows where to go. Maurice doesn't listen. <laughs> hmm, scary woods or like calm, peaceful atmosphere. But still kind of scary. Yeah. Like, it's still spooky regardless. It's just one is significantly more so. That's mm. all. Yeah. One is a tad less spooky. Of course, Maurice goes down <laughs> and the even spooky still, path. Even still, when he goes down the spooky path, like, insisting that he go against what what the horse wants to do uh, when they get super lost. Like, Why did you want me to go here? <laughs> this can't be right. Why did you take us here fully? Really? <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that the horse has a name and a very clear um, personality. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. detail. By the way, the tension. No, not enough people talk about the great horse that is Philippe. Mm-hmm. The tension here is so good, too. Like, yeah. With the... Uh, like oh yeah the wolves and the fact they're almost gonna run off a cliff and the, when they're mm-hmm. standing on the edge of the cliff i got serious legend of sleepy hollow vibes oh, or yeah. the ichabod mm-hmm. and mr toad yeah like i was really feeling that um mm-hmm. when the wolf um i'm trying to remember the 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 philippe philippe takes off before the wolves even show up right no 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 uh, no no wait there, there's like there's like a, a hint of them but i don't think we see them proper until later on in the film right i think i think there, there's like spooked by the bats and then bolts yeah we see we see like the 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 wolves like on the outskirts of the the shots just like um silhouetted in black yeah um, and it's not and it's not until later until they they really uh show up good point um but they they do because they start chasing maurice having realized that most oh, that's right okay almost all of the characters are fairly competent in how they handle themselves like even maurice handles himself fairly well when mm-hmm. the wolves are coming after him like he's running away he's uh he he's able to like like fend off and actually is able to close the gate before the wolves get to him like usually in a horror movie they'd be doing something stupid and mm-hmm. And this comes actually more apparent, like, later on, when Belle tries to go off against the whoops, she actually grabs a stick yeah. and tries to take him. And I'm like, whoa! Way to go, yeah, Belle. I, I really noticed how competent a lot of them seem, where they, they put they put an effort in to yes. protect themselves. And that's not something that uh, I remember seeing a lot in other places. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, oh, no, I'm in danger. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it ha ha funny. Well, funny. that's that. Do something. <laughs> I I do like that this is not played for comedy either. Like they like Maurice mm. is a, is a kind of an odd looking person. Like he's he's definitely a cartoon caricature, but he's not. Yeah, and they very they very much could have just played him as like bumbling town idiot and made it for comedy, but they they didn't. Yeah, they don't. And, and here's the other thing: they they don't ever make he's bumbling, but in like a really gentle way. Yes. And they never like insult his intelligence. You it, know, it's mm-hmm. the idea he's in- eccentric. That's he's ex- he's eccentric, but yeah. he is a genius. Yes. And um, you know, I think he's he's earnest, and that gets him in trouble later. But that's you know, mm-hmm. and that's not his fault. It's because he's again he's an oddball in a town where he's he and his daughter are not the norm. Mm-hmm. So. But I do love the moment when he gets through the gate, he's safe, and he and he looks at the castle for the first time. We get that pan up, oh, and it's a mm-hmm. ugh, it's a delicious ex- establishing shot of this dark, spooky castle. You get a green bolt of lightning across the sky. Ah, oh, so there's good. some good horror movie elements in this. Have you? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's kind of sure. strange how like there's some really eerie, ominous parts in this film. So one thing I yeah. want to mention real quick, since LaBelle and LaBette was so influential in the design of the castle and some of the other elements in here that mm-hmm. were that mm-hmm. were helping sort of give the, the vibe, um, it did 
a bunch of elements from that same film also inspired Claude Coates, Imagineer Claude Coates, and background artist Claude Coates back when uh, the Haunted Mansion was in development. Yes. So that's why you mm. see elements like, you know, faces in the wallpaper or like the uh, face on the chair or the, the arms coming out of the, the arm can't, torch sconces coming out of the wall in the crypt at the end of the ride. So there's another bit that La Belle et La Bette uh, inference, influenced. Yeah. Blah, 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 my tongue. That that would make sense as to why it has such a haunted feel to it then. Yeah, it does. Like he gets in there and I love the shot when he first gets in. And you see the cameras point, the POV is from way up high, like almost in the rafters, looking down at Maurice in this hall. And he looks so tiny in this like sliver of light coming in from the mm-hmm. open doorway and everything else is dark and shadowy. It's a great, like composition wise, it's a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's in over his head. And um, this is the first time we see uh, Cogsworth and Lumiere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both, uh, they are a very good comedic duo, I must say. Like, you mm-hmm. got you got Cogsworth, who is much more serious, much more panicky. Lumiere's flirts with everything. Is yeah, the suave one. The suave one. So the only French character that actually has a French accent, which is interesting. <laughs> Lumiere has the high charisma, and uh, Cogsworth has the high uh, wisdom. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah actually, yes. <laughs> they're, they're good foils for each other. They are. Um, mm-hmm. I did, there's some good comedy beats here when he picks up uh, Lumiere and realizes Lumiere is a living candelabra. Mm-hmm. But something something that I noticed is that um, his reaction is a little bit more, like, downplayed. It's not like, ah, that shouldn't be sp- uh, uh, speaking to me. Um, he, he literally just, like, examines uh, uh, Cogsworth very intently. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think it is that like his his background in uh, in uh, uh, inventing mm-hmm. might just have made him uh, initially like just think that it's some kind of device that's giving him a conscious like that. Right. Um, and he's he's very, very comfortable around uh uh, all of the living objects in the house. He does adapt pretty quickly to the fact that mm-hmm. this is an enchanted castle. Mm-hmm. But I think that's... Yeah, and right. I, I do think, think that is... Yeah, and I think that is just because of uh, the uh, personality type in his background that they gave him. Because, mm-hmm. like, if it was if it was anything else, I feel like we would be questioning it a lot more. Mm. But that actually, his reaction of, like, looking through Cogsworth, like, twisting mm-hmm. and examining him is... Yeah, that actually fits for who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also helps that he's also just been in the rain. He's sneezing again, cold to the bone. <laughs> probably should not should be. Relaxed. Yeah, yeah. There's probably that too. <laughs> so um, we yeah. get. Go ahead. This is where we also get the footstool dog, right? Yeah, footstool mm-hmm. dog, and then mm-hmm. we see uh, Mrs. Potts for the first time. Voiced by Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got David Ogden Steers, who voices Cogsworth, and Jerry Orbach, who voices um, Lumiere. All right. Who voiced Maurice? Do you remember? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I should look that up. Um, it's not while you're doing up. that, I also want to shout out to the the uh, recurring, some of the background recurring character object characters that recur but don't have a voice of uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the coat rack. But I, here's my theory, though. I feel like, because uh, some people were like, wait, are all of these items humans? I, I don't think that. I think some of the items were originally mm. items that just came to life. The items that don't talk or don't have a voice, I think, were just items. Right. So you, you do think that it might just be, like, 
the the enchanted castle in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. that has brought some of them to life. Okay, um, and it, it would also make sense uh, if it's all of these uh, uh, background things that don't have a, uh, a a face or any human features to them. But I I had the thought partway through that did did this enchantress come about like during a ball or party or something? I think because it's even, even if you do like account for everything that has a face, that's a lot of servants for just one guy. I think that's the idea. I mean, that's definitely mm-hmm. the impression I'm, I'm getting, especially at the end mm-hmm. when you see everybody gathered there, it can't all just be servants. Some of them got to be like courtiers or just people who happen to be unfortunate enough to be there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, the prince's birthday or something, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, or it was like a, it was a winter's night. Maybe they were celebrating Christmas or something. Okay. Or Yule. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Maurice's voice is, uh, Rex Everhart. Now, uh, I mean, you, there's n- nothing we'd really know him for, but one of the interesting things about this film is most, if yeah, actually most, I would say of the voice actors are from Broadway. Like Paige O'Hara, the mm, voice of okay. Belle yeah. is from Broadway. That sounds so right. is, I think <clears throat> so is the voice of Gaston as well. And cause you got Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, two Broadway veterans, and uh they're like, Yeah, let's bring on these Broadway stars to be in this film. So Yeah. I, I think <clears throat> so that's Rex Everhart is one of those two. Like he was in 1776 as Benjamin Franklin. On oh, Broadway. okay. Yeah, that's that okay. was like his main role, but he did other stuff on that's, Broadway too. That's cool. <laughs> so um, they're setting Maurice up, and everything seems cool for a bit, and then the beast shows up, and mm-hmm. it's ominous. It is. It, <laughs> the shadows are really good here. Yeah, he's he's like mostly in in uh, dark blacks with like a light. Uh, highlight from the door when he first comes in mm-hmm. and it is very spooky and menacing right off the bat i like right how they keep, yeah i like how they keep the beast I, they like how they slowly reveal the beast he's kept mostly in shadow mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. initial parts where you see him you see mm-hmm. his eyes it's not until, clearly yeah yeah it's not until it's not until later that he does step out into the light like bell asks him to and uh we actually he's he's fully revealed do we, and, to, do we want to talk about the beast's design here, or wait till he's fully revealed? Uh, um, I got a couple details on it, so like, yeah, if we, if you want to talk about it, yeah, let's just talk about it now. Okay. Why not? So, um, he is a hybrid beast. Uh, like mm-hmm. he, he's a chimera. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's totally a chimera. chimera. Uh, Glenn Keane, who was a supervising animator for the beast, uh, said he is a mixture between the mane of a lion, the beard and head and structure of a buffalo. The tusk and nose bridge of a wild boar, the heavily muscled brow of a gorilla, the legs and tail of a wolf, and the big bulky body of a bear. Like this is clearly a beast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of my so It's a really good design. Yeah, it is. Oh though. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you'd never like it, you'd never think to to combine animals like that. No. It, like I, like a boar and and a, and a buffalo. Like you would never think to put those into a design like that right um i think the idea and is to make him basically beastly and mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the things i think uh influenced his personality as well like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff he does is very animalistic 
Like, <laughs> and you'll see that throughout. That's why I think he, when he gets angry, it's much more intense than it would be mm-hmm. if he was a person. Like, when, yeah. he, when he yells, it, like, sounds really loud and growling and angry. And it's just like... Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think we can get into that later on, but especially because there, there's been controversy on this. I'll, I'll get into that later on, but <laughs> but um, I'll give one interesting design thing, too, because I was mentioning how, like, uh, the whole blue equals good and red equals bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What color is his cape? It's kind of a burgundy, like a dark stained burgundy. That was intentional. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you mix red and blue together as? It's burgundy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's this idea that you use a mix between good and evil. Halfway in between. Exactly. Nice. That, that was intentional. He's certainly very sinister here when he drags Maurice kicking and screaming into the dungeon. <laughs> yep. You've come to stare at the beast, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Maurice really, he didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't. Um, you got basically a mentally um, uh, immature um, prince who who's been given the who's been given the, the the strength and tenacity of a of a monster yes which is mm-hmm. horrifying yes uh it'd be one thing he's an emotionally mature character but he's not at least not at first no. no so we go back to um uh the town it's the next day yeah this is important day two uh we got <laughs> we got guests on like i'd like to thank you all for coming for my wedding like, oh yeah the wedding is all set up he has he, he's that convinced he's gonna succeed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where does he get all the money to do this? Well, it's good because this is one of the things I like about this movie. It gets established later, at least implied, what he does in this village that makes him so popular. Besides being a hunter, he owns the mm-hmm. tavern. He owns the tavern. Mm-hmm. So he boozes up the town's village. I notice how <laughs> you know. I notice how in this scene the colors are a lot greener. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that in the backgrounds during the wedding bit? Like we lose a little bit of that fall element. It looks a lot more like springish in a weird way at least in this group cops of trees where gaston has set up his uh his wedding party mm-hmm. i mean i like, don't know maybe that's just me maybe that's how i'm remembering it, but it seemed a lot more like it seemed less fall like in that moment i mm. i don't know i just remember it being normal i could be again it could be me but i'll, I'll they, go back they, and look they are at it again kind of a, like no no i mean yeah it's still fall never mind what am i thinking okay so because um, i'm remembering they jump back to it later so he goes to knock on the door and Bell's <laughs> reading, and <laughs> by the way, this is a gr- like I'm. This is a great invention. Like you could t- like this little thing that you can look through. Like I, we didn't have they didn't have peepholes back then, like uh, that we do now on doors. Um, and also, you'll notice having like a door periscope, like she does. Yeah, and then you also notice there's actually a sound device. Like you could actually talk to the person outside. Oh, like she could have easily been like, "Go away, Gaston." <laughs> she does it though she made the mistake of opening the door never open the door no uh that's not i mean i'm sorry i'm not trying to vic- i'm not trying to victim shame here but <laughs> it's gaston and you see the way he's like i like the way that they animate the fisheye quality of him looking into the thing mm-hmm. that she's looking through again it's the little things about the animation mm-hmm. um but he comes storming in making his whole making his intentions perfectly clear ruining a perfectly good book Saying they're gonna have six or seven strapping young men as children. Uh, saying that he wants her to wash his feet. Uh, not into that. Don't like that. Nope. You're gonna Don't be like a good that. little wife. Mm-mm. Although he doesn't say it at first. He does. He's mostly like, "This is picture this. You know, mm-hmm. this is my dream." Yeah. 
Or no, he said, no, this is your dream. Picture this. Yes. My rustic hunting lodge. My latest kill on, on the fire. fire. My wife massaging my feet. Well, a little you know, your dream. That's your dream, Bill. <laughs> I, like, what? I, I just I, love, I, what do you know about my dreams? Plenty. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact when he uh, he's like, "We'll have six or seven dogs." <laughs> like she thinks for it's like. I both love and hate how much of a charismatic villain he is. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's his just ability inability to accept that anyone could think differently than him mm-hmm. is incredible, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I think also there is kind of a point where like he knocks the chair over. And it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, predatory predator predator get away nope 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 <laughs> like when he pin basically tries to pin her to the door it's yeah. very uncomfortable and then yeah. she opens mm-hmm. the door and he falls out and then she close throws his boots out i love the moment that he throws the boots out she throws the boots out close to the door and the band is going yes <laughs> this is a humorous bit um yeah we needed it especially after all how uh spooky the last scene was yep mm. followed by her singing about uh uh, we get a reprise of her song. I want much more than this provincial life. And then she runs into this <laughs> I always thought that scene was kind of eh. <laughs> you know what's great about this scene, though? What? It takes the whole I want song from uh, the, little, the Little Mermaid and makes it like 30 seconds long instead. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, here's what I want specifically. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I'm like, good on you, Belle. And she wants someone to just understand her. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Philippe comes in and is like, oh no. Oh, Bill, we got a real problem on our hands. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. He just acts like a scared horse. Did he, okay, yeah. can you remind me, did he come in with the wagon? Yes. Okay. That's why the wagon is there later with the, the wood chopping machine. Yes, because it was still connected mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, okay, good. Because if he had lost it and then it showed up later, I would have been like, everything else continuity-wise is pretty good, but then... Uh, so they get to the castle. You know, I'm impressed. Philippe was able to find it pretty handily. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took Philippe a long time to get back to, um, to get back to the farmhouse, though. Yeah. Like, did he get lost? In this forest? Probably. But he's able to, he's able to take Belle there the same night, though. By, like, by nightfall, they've reached the be- Beast's castle. Unless it's, like, perpetually. No, that's not true even, either. <laughs> No, because I keep thinking about it at the end of the movie how it suddenly goes from night to day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, this that was warning, though. This could have taken hours, though. Oh, good point, good point. It could have taken, like, nine hours for all we know. She's been on horseback for the past, like, nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know just how far away it is. Mm-hmm. Well, Maurice probably it took him longer because he's hauling a wagon. She's galloping into mm-hmm. the woods to find him. But, yeah, they find the castle, and they find uh, Maurice's hat, and they're like, this is definitely the place. And uh, I'm glad Philippe is willing to stick around. Mm-hmm. What a good horse. So she goes exploring the castle, and uh, apparently everybody's like, oh my gosh, there's a girl in a castle. I like the fact that Mrs. Potts <laughs> sees it as like, oh my gosh, you're just making up stories, kid. How but it's you- not until the, the, the maid, <laughs> who is the feather duster, says, I saw a girl in the castle. Yeah, uh, she's voiced by Mary Kay Berkman. Hey! Yeah. Yeah. So, um... She and Lumiere are the only characters with French accents, even though this is set in oh, France. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, they've both got French accents. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Anyway, uh, Lumiere and Cogsar finds them and immediately, immediately assumes, oh, young woman, 
yep, she'll break the spell. <laughs> well, they're point, so desperate. Oh, yeah. they're so desperate. I was about to say, they at this point, you just want to be like, no, just kiss the guy, and so we can not be tarnished <laughs> it, it must objects really, anymore. It must be really suck for them that this curse all hinges on this one individual. Yeah. Like, they, these people did nothing, and this woman just ruined... Like, that Enchantress was terrible. Is a terrible, terrible She's person. a terrible individual. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You didn't let me in? Mm-hmm. How dare you? <laughs> Unless they all laughed at her, not just... I doubt it. I doubt it. Really? Could you imagine Mrs. Potts laughing at an Enchantress? No. 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 No, not she, Mrs. Potts. They're, they're innocent victims. She's mm-hmm. just a, this Enchantress was just a horrible woman, let's be honest. Yeah, well, or whatever she was... Like, I get the impression she's, like, a pseudo-goddess-like thing. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Um, With yeah. a little help from Cogsworth, and I'm trying to remember, they, they lead her to... Yes. By little makeshifts, they lead her to um, Maurice. They, yeah, because they, like, walk ahead of her, and it makes it seem like there's footsteps, and she's like, wait, I hear you. Is someone here? Where are you? And, like, it's like Lumiere is a is a candle, so it's like... You see light moving. You why see- do they? Why do they lead her there? Because they realize she's looking for her father, and they want to like. She's been yelling the whole time, Papa. Where are you, Father? Are you here, Papa? Good, good guy. Good guy, Lumiere. Yes. Good and guy I, Lumiere. Again, that le- Again, I think that. I'm just saying, if they they're desperate to break the curse, would they want to? Well, I guess they would. That would probably help them. I mean, that's gonna lead to their introduction. Like, what's she's just gonna wander around? There. That's it- true. And then she has. I don't know. Anyway, Maurice is there, and then the beast shows up. Yep. And he steps into light. We get to see a good. We get a good look at him, mm-hmm. and uh, Bell is immediately like, "Hey, if you let my father go, I'll take his place." How do we feel about this? I mean, is this is this a is this a really courageous thing? Is this dumb? Is it like? I think it's. Does this line up with Bell's character? We know she cares about her father deeply, but does it seem a little like? I think she would do anything for him, and in this moment, like. First of all, there's this, like, creature rolling around. She's probably scared out of her mind, so... Didn't she make the negotiation, though, before she got a good look at him? Even so, there's a person, like, scary creature rolling about. Like, clearly this is a big, scary figure. Right. In the dark. Even though she hasn't seen him yet. And she's trying to think, okay, what do I do? What do I do? My dad's in... Like, any panicking moment where there's, like, my father is trapped in a dungeon. There's this guy saying he's my prisoner, I won't let him go, and... He's in darkness. This is scary and creepy. Uh, I got I got to figure out a way. I, I got like five seconds to do this. Mm-hmm. And you could also maybe justify it that like she. I mean, if she thought that far ahead, she could be thinking there's there's nothing left for me at that town. Nobody likes me there. What's the point? It's fine. <laughs> and if I lose my father, there's really no point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only other person in the world who like understands me. So. Yeah, okay, that that's fair. I was just curious what, what we thought of that that moment. Because I do like this moment. And then, like, mm-hmm. Beast is just like, yeah, get out of here. Doesn't give her a chance to say goodbye to her dad. Throws him in the yeah. the animated coach. But it that walks on a, its, like, spokes. That's like, like it's, of, it's cool, but I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> I don't know why it is how it is. It's just there. It, I, I think it's just, again, I just think there are random things that got have the ability to move. I don't mm-hmm. think they're all people. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, they, uh, uh, hmm? One thing I do want to point out is that um, right right afterwards, you know, Belle yells at him, is like, didn't even give me a chance to say goodbye. 
and that's the that's the first time that we see like beast have any kind of uh uh like human characteristics uh, before then he's just like growling monster most of the time not, yeah not true. There uh, and is, then not true there is a point where okay. he she says uh uh take me instead and he's like you and then there, he pauses like you would take his place like she he's shocked oh that is true yeah like there, that, that is, is a very human moment to be like i mm-hmm. i don't think I, I don't think he's ever seen anyone be that selfless yes mm. and i that, and then that, once once she once she uh uh yells at him about that he he does the whole like you know a shameful look away rubs the back of his head nervously mm-hmm. i do like that tick yeah. he does that a lot yeah too. yeah the rub in the back of the neck thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, again he's like I've mentioned before, I feel like because he was transformed into an animalistic creature, he does have more, he does have animalistic tendencies as a result. Right. If you've been like this animalistic creature for like 10 to 21 years. Yeah. He's going to give into it at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think, I don't think he'd be like this kind of person once transformed back. No, I don't either. Right. Now to be, and, and to be fair too, like, um, it's established later that he was, it definitely crossed his mind that, you know, he, he realizes this could be the key to him breaking his curse. There's a, mm. there's a woman in the castle and yeah, he's probably thinking the same along the same lines of the servants, but maybe not quite as much. Cause he's just mostly, he just wants to be left alone and not perceived as a monster. Mm-hmm. But mm. if she's willing to make that decision, he's like, okay, well maybe if she's forced to stay here forever, I can find a way to break, use her to break the curse. But again, thinking purely selfishly there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not about the love. It's about she's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. But again, we get those human moments that you're talking about and it's cool. Like it's, it's it, 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 good character development. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and like, I mean, he walks her to her room. And I love this shot. Mm-hmm. We're on the balcony and you see all the gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a castle. Um, <laughs> Uh, so like um, one of the things I noticed too a lot of the servants keep telling him what to do and Mm -hmm. I think he gets kind of like you can tell he's probably sick of it like they're like say something to her it's like maybe you should give her a more comfortable place and like don't forget to do this you have to do that and I know they're basically his guardians and they kind of were forced to be guardians to him that's why I'm not entirely unconvinced that he wasn't turned as an 11 year old or a child, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it seems like they they do baby him a lot. Yeah, yeah. You could you could also excuse his temper tantrums to that too if you wanted. Yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. But again, the painting kind of contradicts that, and I just think mm-hmm. he's just a spoiled young man. He's been that way. Throughout oh, no, he his was life. clearly a spoiled. Did child. he? Did are did, he's just a prince and he's living alone in this castle? His parents aren't are out of the picture. They either they were out of the picture before the curse hit, or they're just out of the picture in general. Mm-hmm. Like. Was he basically raised by the servants? But it was—it's that awkward thing where he was raised by the servants, but they fully know that he's the prince, and therefore he—they have to mm. do what he says, even so. Like, this, like you see that quandary affects Cogsworth especially very badly. The whole thing, I think, <laughs> this all put him in an awkward spot again. Even if it was the fact that he's been there for twenty-one years or ten years, I don't know. But they still are raising this guy he is still mm-hmm. in their care for the most part and um it's at, at some point they're like we need to do as he says 
but his parents are around. That's why he was always known as the prince. I mean, he may have not reached that age of adulthood. We don't know. Mm. But, like, they're trying to raise him and help him be a better person, but at the same time, they were hired to take, like, keep the castle in order. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly their jobs were not to babysit him. Mm -hmm. And they're just doing what they can. Yeah. And it's th this is an awkward dynamic. And it's probably an awkward dynamic they've had to have for, like, a very long time. And they're not sure how to work with that. And again, he doesn't know how to work with things either. He just expects things to happen for mm -hmm. him. You will join me I for dinner. I feel like... <laughs> it's not a request. I feel like you could maybe take a little bit of a darker interpretation if you really wanted to. Ooh. With the parents not being in the picture. But, uh... Well, now I'm curious. I don't know if that's what you want to get into. Like, the fact they died, or... Like, well, well... Or they left him? He's... Mm, oh, my, wait. my my thought wait. my thought was that what if what if they were also turned into objects? Oh. What if they are the people that he hung around the most? What if uh, <clears throat> he didn't know his own strength? You know that oh. sort of thing. Oh. oh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction uh, there, and that this is after the French Revolution somewhere, and there's oh god, <laughs> and the bourgeoisie take that direction too. They were they were in Paris and things went very badly, but he was at home. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of dark directions that you could take this if you really wanted to. But, um, th this is another thing too that comes up. The, and this is what I mean by controversy. Everybody always says like, "Oh, Belle clearly has Stockholm syndrome." No, that, no, no. I, I don't believe that. You watch the movie carefully enough. That's not true. First of all, um, you know what. I'm going to still hold off on that because I feel like I need to go through a whole portion to finally get to that. Right, right. And this is why I want, I'm paying attention to time as closely as I am. The mm -hmm. timing's there. Yeah. So we'll have, that, we'll have that talk in due time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, we do get a, a, an interesting thing where we cut away and we get the pan out the window as she's weeping on the bed and you see it's snowing now, which is mm -hmm. great. So again, a good, a good thing, like we began with fall and it's clearly like near the end of fall. It's deep into fall and now we're entering winter it's a sudden snowstorm arrives and then that same snowstorm is falling on uh the tavern where gaston is lamenting that his wedding plans didn't go well gee you think and um, gee wow what do you know literally springing out the, the <laughs> wedding band before he even proposed didn't work out so hot who could have seen that coming surprise <laughs> And weirdly enough, we get one of two villain songs in the movie, technically. This is such a good song. But this is mostly LeFou's song. This is such a good song. Can I, can I, and, I, and again, this really cements LeFou for me as a great character because he's just trying to cheer Gaston up and remind him how great mm -hmm. he is. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that's what got, and like, you could tell that's kind of what LeFou does. He's there to boost, prop up Gaston's fragile masculine ego I'm, when it's damaged. <laughs> I don't know if this will ruin the song for you, but this will make you think of the song in a different way. Um, the audition song for for actors who are auditioning for LeFou was Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which they said sounds a lot like uh, it does. Gaston. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and You're now, right. I, as I think about it, I'm like, oh, oh my God, it does. <laughs> Holy, wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's a, But Gaston is a really good song. It is. It is. Amazing. There's a lot of really, really good strong numbers in this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of good imagery throughout this. And uh... I mean, I, I almost don't want to go too long on this song because it's just fun. Yeah, like, it's a fun song. Yeah, it's, 
it is totally a tavern song. It's totally a song mm-hmm. that you grow, you hold a beer and like clink it with your friends to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't you say, Kayla, while we were watching that this is a very beer friendly movie? This is a very beer friendly movie. Like beer is not <laughs> portrayed in a negative context at all in this. Like it's like a, a not only just in the tavern. There's a whole like in the um, BR guessing there are like line of beer singing and stuff like that. <laughs> like wow, there's a there's a lot of beer in this. Enjoy your beer. <laughs> this movie was Beauty and the Beast brought to you by Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you hey while you're at it visit Bush Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> uh um, any thoughts on this uh the animation in this scene or anything like that beth like i didn't want to like just totally kowtow you moving trying to move things forward but uh i i i have a couple notes on some scenes concerning like specific animation but unfortunately that was not one of them oh, okay. the, fair just, enough it's just a good song. That's the part yeah, all I it's, got for it's that a, one. It's a good song. It is. It's a good song. Yeah, it establishes really that Gaston owns the tavern because all his trophies are there, and there's a big picture of him on the wall. Yeah. But he he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not the bartender. He just owns it. Yeah, because then mm-hmm. we got Maurice who comes in and he's panicked and is like, "I need your help, guys." He he's got her, and then they're just the like beast. Yeah, freaking out. <laughs> Crazy Maurice. They throw actually him out in the throw snow. him out in the snow. What jerks. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot happens on this particular night. Yeah. Yeah. A this lot. is a busy night. Yeah. So they throw him out, and then that's when Gaston has the epiphany about, hey, how do I, if I can't convince Belle to marry me, I can coerce her into marrying me by using her father's leverage. We don't get their mm-hmm. plan yet. But yeah, we don't, we don't get the entirety of their plan, but there's, there are some, like, relatively big hints towards the end of their their dialogue of that scene where it's like they don't have good intentions uh and i don't i don't remember what the exact line is but like they they do heavily imply it like yeah we'll we'll treat him like the 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 crazy little coop that he is and then she'll marry me and all of the townspeople are like yeah that sounds like a great idea. Uh, uh, <laughs> they are super on board. Well, I, I think because uh, I remember this word for um, crazy old mm-hmm. Maurice. Mm-hmm. Crazy old Maurice. LeFou, I'm afraid of when thinking. A dangerous pastime I know. That wacky mm-hmm. old kook is Belle's father. And his sanity is only so-so. Now the wheels in my head have been turning since I looked at that loony old man. And see, I promised myself I'd be married to Mel. And now I am holding a plan. And then... Well, they, I, they don't even this, see what the plan is. They're just like... But, the, I, but they do say... I, I, I like the interesting thing that, that uh, they reprise the song again. And mm-hmm. he he actually says... Uh, I can't remember. It's... um, No one plots like Gaston. Takes cheap shots, shots like, like Gaston. Gaston. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like lines like that. And the townsfolk are still like, yeah. Yeah, this is fine. This is cool. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> so we'll be celebrating. But they're, they're, the townspeople <laughs> in the tavern are A, and like think Gaston is rad, and B, think more, did just throw Maurice out in the snow. So these are people who don't have sympathy yeah, anyway. They support! They just see, these are, these are yokels from a small town in the late 1700s who think that Maurice is just a crackpot to be exploited for, for enjoyment. But they don't care. They're, yeah. They don't care. They're being supplied with booze by Gaston. What yep. do they care? And yep. they're probably all drunk. So. Hey, and if he gets, yeah. and look, if he gets married to Belle, that, that frees up the bimbets who are fawning over him. Yep. And all the townspeople are like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, this goes back to the castle, and this is when Belle realizes, oh, this castle is um alive. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the first person she meets, the, the first time she realizes an object is alive is, is Mrs. Potts, right? Yes. Mrs. Potts and Chip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Again, offers a spot of tea, and <laughs> uh, it's a dresser. Uh, there's a name for her. it's like a the wardrobe, wardrobe. Uh, but she has a specific name. But um, the but, character does. Yeah, I don't actually know her name. I forget it. I used to know it. It's uh, like Boudoir, Madame Boudoir, or something like that. Madame Boudoir. I, if I look it up, I can figure it out. That'd but, be interesting. Um, um, I will say, um, and this is again another credit to this movie. It's got a it's got a cute kid character that is actually not useful. Annoying? Not annoying and useful to the plot. That it shouldn't be that hard to do. <laughs> Chip is a great example of how to do that well. So why is it so hard for people? To... <laughs> uh, they don't make him obnoxious at all. No. Maybe a little bit, but not much. Mm. If you, if you, I'll, I'll be generous. I'll say that there might be some things about Chip that people could find annoying, but he's not. He's just a kid, and he's just there, and it's fine. Yeah. I like. I mean, like, if you really, really hate, like anything resembling a child then like maybe yeah but there there's a lot like when it comes to like you know younger child or like you know aiming towards that demographic like type uh uh disney characters specifically there's Uh a lot worse there's a lot worse oh a lot a lot worse that's Mm -hmm. for sure oh okay Mm -hmm. i found it it's uh madame armoire madame madame armoire uh but in the uh, stage adaptation of the film she's known as Madame de la Grande Bouche. Oh. <laughs> Which means, um, Madame Big Mouth in French. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like her. And again, Jeez. distinctly yeah. not a French accent. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Anywho, <laughs> anywho. Um, uh, this is the part where uh, dinner's about to start, but she's not going to dinner. And we cut to the beast being impatient and being like, mm-hmm. What's going on? Why is this not happening? And this is this is why I say I think he's kind of annoyed of the servants telling him what to do. Because there's a point where he's like, mm-hmm. be like this, but be like this. No, be like this, be like this. He's like, mm-hmm. God, for why can't I just be myself? Because <laughs> yourself uh, is... One, 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 note, one note that I have uh, is, is how, like, Lumiere is very, like, impatient. Like, yeah, yeah, just fall in love, like, right now, right tonight. We gotta do that. Do it right this and second. a lot of other... A lot of people, a lot of people, uh, or a lot of the other uh, uh, objects are like, dude, you can't just, love doesn't happen, like, in in a day. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it's got to it's gotta take time. It's not going to work right off the bat. And I definitely feel like Lumiere feels that way because of how quickly he's wooed that feather duster. Oh, yeah. He and that feather... <laughs> Lumiere, Lumiere is a... It, I, I don't know if Lumiere understands love. He definitely understands charisma and romance. Mm-hmm. Lust. Mm-hmm. Lust. He understands lust. Let's be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but this is the part where um, we see Beast very violently yell at her like it's- i love the way he runs through the <laughs> castle getting to the door he like how he like has this he runs on all fours and he skids around corners and jumps upstairs and his cape mm-hmm. is billowing it's awesome mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah he yells at her like he says he's gonna break down the door and then um they're like be genteel and by the way i like the fact bell's kind of immature here too there's a point where he's like you can't stay in there forever and she's like yes i can <laughs> that's such such well okay but but here's here's what i admire about bell in this moment if she's gonna be a prisoner she's gonna be a prisoner on her own terms oh yeah she's very (laughs) 
she's she has no problem standing on her own two feet. Like. Yeah, but this is this is another per- okay. This is another man making demands of her from the other side of a door. Yes. Uh, so so th- this is actually more of the point why I don't think she has Stockholm syndrome. Because right. She's yelling at him. She has no problem saying no to him. And- yeah, it's not like it's not like she's she's locked in the basement like her her father was just with no control over the situation whatsoever. Right. She's, like she's in a very nice big room with a very mm-hmm. comfy looking bed. Oh, and she's like not sure alone she's in the room. a prisoner. She's not supposed to leave the castle, but like she's still got like a certain amount of independence about herself. Yeah. yeah. Like even, but the thing is also people say like, well, here he's clearly being verbally abusive to her and yes. but that's all he knows he just knows about yeah. mm-hmm. that's all he is he's not mm-hmm. and i think that's one part of his emotional immaturity mm-hmm. and then two because it doesn't excuse his behavior but no still. it doesn't yeah and, no of course not of and course not. the fact that he is animalistic like again mm-hmm. his curse has basically made him more animalistic and let's be honest he can growl he can yell very loudly as a result mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, and even when he's, like, when he's back in his room, it upset, he realizes, I messed up. Yeah, he doesn't know how to control his temper. He's got anger issues. Yeah, and then he even feels even more awful when he, he like, he basically looks up on her in the mirror, uh, which is also kind of... She'll creepy. never see me as anything but a monster. Yeah, which mm. is kind of creepy on its own right, but... And it's interesting, because the only reason she... She sees him as a monster on the outside for sure, but the main reason she sees him as a monster is because he's not a good person. He's yeah, got he a yelled mean, at her. he's got a horrible he, attitude. He basically mm-hmm. said he was gonna break down the door. Like when the few moments earlier when he was being like considerate, she's not like shirking away from him or anything. He's just this weird like everything else in the castle, she's handling the fact that it's enchanted pretty well. Again, much like Maurice did. Mm-hmm. So even dealing with a beast isn't quite as upsetting as it might be if you were someone who was, say, if one of the random townies had been captured and brought here, they'd be freaking out constantly. Oh, yeah. But it's Belle. She's already got a mm-hmm. big imagination, so... And she is very smart, and... So, uh, I feel like she has the potential to see past his exterior anyway, but the interior is also pretty monstrous. Crazy. So, yeah. As of right now, he is making a terrible first impression. And he mm-hmm. can only... See, but he, in his mind, I think, was like, he'll, she'll never see me as anything but a monster... But is he kind of realizing that it's not just the outward appearance, but the way he's acting? Is he having that moment? We don't know. That's the thing. He, t- he I don't think he even knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have to wonder if, if it's not just, like, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, like, beastly tendencies, but if it's also just the, the fact that to a certain degree, again, since he's isolating himself so much, that he hasn't had, like, two genuine of a human interaction in so long right none because you can't you can't call what he has with the su- servants human interaction because a they're no. not human well he hides himself away all the time yeah and he yeah he's he's isolating himself Again, that's the west wing mm-hmm. is forbidden she he even tells her this in the beginning right this is where the west wing is where he lives he's got the mirror and he's got the he's got his two most prized possessions there the rose and the mirror mm-hmm. so and uh, this is the point where Belle's like, eh, okay, yeah, I'm kind of hungry. I can't stay in here forever. So she sneaks out, and <laughs> we see Lumiere hitting on the the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is wow! Like you know their relationship 
as servants in the past. Like, yeah. it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty explicit. It's pretty explicit. I have been burned by you before. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is the point where um, she's sneaking away, and I think she's sneaking towards the kitchen, and I feel bad for the... Uh, oh, he's also French, too. The uh, um, uh, oven? I like mm-hmm. the oven. He, he doesn't get to do much, but he's the oven. But he's like, yeah. I've worked and uh, I've slaved all day, and for what? A masterpiece gone to waste. He actually does some French <laughs> accent. I forgot about yep. that. So we got I I just want to quickly bring up now that there are like there there's so many um you know main main speaking role uh characters in the film that yeah. like you see you see like talked about all the time you see like um uh marketed on different things but like there's a lot of really strong just background character designs oh, or, yeah. or just like minor ones like uh ones that i specifically listed were um you know the stove as we mentioned um there's there's a couple chairs um there's a dustpan oh, um, yeah. that has a lot of personality w- towards where they're they're in that that uh sweeping up montage um all the perfume bottles by the 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 mirror in that one shot mm-hmm. like there, there's a there's a lot of of characters that like you know again with how with how like faceless a lot of the other ones are just have personality to them mm-hmm. yeah and they're good designs they are yes. good designs yes um this is when Belle comes in and Lumiere and Cogsworth are competing for her affection because they are constant rivals constant foils for each other. I know the servants at this point, they're kind of debating how badly things are going, and then that's when mm-hmm. she comes out, and they're like, aha! And then he, she's like, I am kind of hungry, and they're like, oh, yes! We can <laughs> Like, the stove is like, start the fire. She's so ecstatic. <laughs> like, Cog- Cogsworth that makes it uh, the, the weakest attempt. Remember what the master said, but it doesn't matter, <laughs> because we're going to get the dinner theater. Yes. And what is dinner without a little music? By the way, this song, uh, Be Our Guest, was originally intended for <laughs> Maurice when he came oh, into the castle. Oh, that's Could funny. Could you imagine? Oh. That would have been endearing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, this works. This works actually really well. Um, you know what? Uh, um, you and I have seen The Dark Crystal. Yes. The new Dark Crystal. Um, yes. And uh, Beth, have you seen it? No. Oh, no, I haven't gone around to it yet. Okay, I don't want to say too much, but there's a line in there that makes me that to me justifies why they're like, wait, doesn't it seem weird to have this moment, even though it's a musical? Yes, and it's a musical, and these moments are mm-hmm. fairly justified. But there's a there's a line from the Dark Crystal that to me evokes this uh, this idea that that no matter what Lumiere is going to put on this show, it's like we've waited 370 trying to do the surprise. We're doing the surprise. <laughs> 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 you know what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, How long has it been since Lumiere has had an opportunity to entertain guests? Same with Mrs. Potts. Same with a lot of the dinner the objects. It's so good. About. It's great. So mm-hmm. it's 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 fantastic because they have that that downbeat moment where they talk about, uh, we used to be able to do this all the time. So and now it's like we haven't done this in so long. Let's go all out on this. Yeah, because <laughs> the master doesn't care. He's asleep. So yeah. Uh, so there is one. One brief thing that I do uh, want to mention. I don't want to. I don't want to like get super into the into the, the the talk about the ballroom scene just yet. Yeah. Um. But 
you know, there, there's, there's the infamacy behind it because of uh, the, the 3D backgrounds that was used in that one. Yeah. And I realized that that's not the only scene that has them. There's like one or two that were snuck into be our guest as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Very, very too. subtle ones. It's the, yeah, it's like the, 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 the bits with the plates and the, um, mm-hmm forks right or the plates in the the wine glasses right yeah yeah and there's also there's also a shot where like um uh they do a little bit of more like extreme camera movement with uh uh mrs Potts specifically i remember um and they kind of took me a little bit by surprise again considering like how much the ballroom scene is talked about i i kind of just remembered it, it being as being just like that's the one that's the one scene that had it they they put all the all the all the the focus um in that technology on that one part but i didn't realize that it was sprinkled in other areas too yeah yeah i noticed it i definitely noticed it watching it this time Mm -hmm. you're right about the ballroom um the other thing Mm -hmm. i noticed and good eye on that the other thing i noticed too is that there's a part where the wine glasses make the eiffel tower and that's the one really anachronistic bit that happens (laughs) but yeah this is a good number i like Mm -hmm. it and i like how it looks so good like, the food actually looks really good. I actually really like the moment where um, Cogsworth finally gets into it and he's dancing. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just accepts it mm-hmm. and then... Oh, well, if we're all going to... Because it's just trouble, been so long. Yeah. Here's something endearing about about him. Just being, like, eventually slowly tapping his toe. And then by the end, he's, he's swinging his alarms around and having a grand old time. <laughs> and uh, I also like the moment. This is a subtle one where they're trying to put the napkin around her neck, and she like goes nope, and then she just puts it on her lap. Bell does that. I'm like, that's cool. That's a nice little bit of assertion from on Bell's part. She is an assertive mm-hmm. character. That I like that. One mm-hmm. of the things I've noticed mm-hmm. about her, she is very assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, this then leads into her scenes saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm in an enchanted castle." I would explore this place, and I do not blame her. She's taking making the best of a bad situation, and we can certainly say I like, that. I like her. how I like how she specifically calls it an enchanted castle, and Cogworth is me like, "Hey, no, what do you mean? Who told you? A talking clock is shot. I, I myself, as a talking animated clock, am telling you there is no enchantment here. What cracks me up is as if we didn't get it from that a a fork runs by. Yeah. She's yeah. I th- I figured it out for myself. I think I kind of got a hint or two. Yeah, but they I do appreciate that they take her around the castle. I like the suits of armor that are slowly turning their heads, and that's when Cogworth starts talking about the specific architecture. And I'm like, is this anachronistic or does this line up? I have no idea. Like the Baroque style. I have no idea. If it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Um, the one thing also uh, I I know this to David. Um, this is how you know she's smart too because. It's sad that I've done this before, too. At some point, um, if some if if there's so, uh, Lumiere's like, oh, let's give you a tour, and uh, Cogsworth is like, no, 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 we don't want her wandering any place, and she she plays dumb. This is a very smart thing to do. She's like, I think you know everything about the castle, right? Like, and he's like, oh, oh well, yes, I I do, and it's like that that's smart. It's a it's a manipulation technique. And it's bad, but it's marks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, again, she's a prisoner. She's going to try and think of whatever way she can to kind of get the situation more into her favor. So mm-hmm. she's already they've already shown that they're amiable and they're not going to like harm follow her. through. They're not going to fa- harm her and they're not going to follow through with uh, what the Beast ordered them to do. They just put on a show. They put on a show. Her. 
Does she actually get to eat anything besides that little dab of gray stuff? I'd like to assume she ate. I, I'd like to assume she ate. We just don't see her. Like, and it's good probably because she just goes, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> stuffing her face. Um, but then she starts to wander towards the West Wing during the tour. And we get a little bit of foreshadowing about the library. because She's like, I do like books. And they're like, oh, we know where there's mountains of books. And they, they go off. And of course, like, she's like, you know what? Hmm. Library or West Wing that is supposedly forbidden. Curiosity is killing the cat here. So, mm-hmm. and um, there is one like minor issue I have with this interaction that she has with the other the other objects in this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like her going up there could have been circumvented very easily. Just like they they're they're very like oh no no they told you not to go in there and she, don't don't go in there. Don't go in there. You don't want to go in there. Um, and being like very vague about it. And I know that like there, it might be it might be like uh, uh, maybe cursive. You're not allowed to talk about the 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 rows or like they want to keep it a secret or something along those lines. But you could have just been like, oh, uh, Beast is sleeping in there. Don't go in there. and You wake him up. Oh, that's and I feel like with one. that, then she'll probably just be like, that's fair. OK, let's go to the library. I don't think that I think she would be like, I'll be quiet. No. I think she would say, I'd be mm. quiet. Yeah, you don't that's think that fair. would have been sufficient to, like, circumvent I, I, her going up there? No, I don't no think so. that's the master's room. We don't go there. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, at the very least, I feel like that would have been a better way of convincing her to, even whether whether she would be convinced or not, I feel like that would have been a better, a better argument, you know, of that's the master's personal space. Don't go in there and you'll make him mad. Mm-hmm. Over just, like, uh, don't go in there. Don't go in. I, but I feel like a lot, if you think about it, a lot of adults do that with their with kids too. Like, what's the best way to not tell a kid something? Be as vague as possible. <laughs> just don't do it. Why not? That's fair. You're, you're not allowed. But why? Because you're not. Just because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. Um, she goes exploring, and oh my gosh, the score here is so good. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a famous piece called the Aquarium. And there's a point I thought the oh yeah the uh, Saint Saint's mm-hmm. um, aquarium from the Carnival of the Animals yeah and there was a point I thought that was actually the actual score for this for Beauty and the Beast but I think it's just very similar but mm-hmm. it's really the score here is really good mm-hmm. just so atmospheric mm-hmm. here do they do they bring back um, that bit from the opening here too if I remember right. Uh, they do briefly, although I think mm-hmm. the two motifs you hear, interestingly enough, is at the very beginning, like a little bit of Be Our Guest, mm-hmm. and then you get the little bit of that, that sort of aquarium sounding motif. And then when she sees the rose, you hear the, a little bit of the opening refrains of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that bit exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they, they drop the da, 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 da. That comes in later. That does go. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, and- <laughs> But she goes explore, and the place is trashed. Um, clearly, dead parents are there parent? as furniture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like this theory. Anyway, uh, but like the bed's destroyed, and like everything's tossed and turned, like clearly ripped mm-hmm. up. This is clearly mm-hmm. a tantrum. This is when she sees the painting that's ripped up. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's a very spooky environment. Yeah, it's very spooky. Um, so spooky. And uh, one of the things is, and the animators did this intentionally, is they did that to show his eyes. And the reason why is because 
with the beast, the one thing that means consistent is his eyes. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. a way where she can tell that it's him is because uh, later on when he becomes human is because of his eyes. Hey, everybody, what color are his eyes? It's blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that means good. Baby blue, just beautiful. Beautiful, very human eyes. No matter, even in beast mode. Very, very human. Um, so. But then she sees the rose, is about to touch it, and beast screams at her. Because yeah, what if she had knocked the rose over? Do you think it? Do you think if, if the reason it's under glass is if someone pokes it, it all the petals will fall off and he'll instantly? That's probably a fear of his. That's probably why. Yeah, because they they do seem like pretty pretty spooked when um, uh, Cogsworth roughhouses it a little bit later. Oh yeah, that's right. So so I think that might be that like no one is allowed to touch it. Hmm. Um. And he screams at her to get out, and she runs and actually leaves, by the way. Again, promise or no promise, I can't say in here another minute. This is why I don't think she has Stockholm Syndrome. This is a woman who left of her own accord. Like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to promise this, but you know what? He's a jerk. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to get out of here. She left of her (laughs) own accord. She was only there for a night. Like not this, even a whole night. That, that's a not, matter of hours. That is not long enough to have mm-hmm. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, so she she gets on Philippe and takes off. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Philippe uh, is still there. one 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 quick thing that I I I uh, want to go over before before we breeze over it too fast. Yeah, is uh um I I really really like the reuse of be our guest, but in a sinister context. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's like they they re they reused it around that that area where she's like going up or or inside um, mm-hmm. Beast's room, and it's like it doesn't sound so welcoming anymore. <laughs> and that's right before she looks at that broken mirror and sees herself like fractured a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was I was saying like earlier um, at the beginning, those are that's one of the motifs we hear as she's going upstairs. And you're right, that's that's a really good mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't emphasize it too much, but it's yeah. That's why they score. Yeah, that just just really... just the fact that it, it turns it around and makes it feel way less welcoming. Oh, well, I, I yeah, especially considering it's BR guest. Yeah, anyway, just heard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she she's she's on the horse trying to get back, and the wolves immediately show up. And they... there's a big chase sequence. It's pretty awesome. She, I mean, mm-hmm. she handles herself pretty well. Like she actually uses Philip to like knock one into the trees and. Uh, she almost, they almost die falling into an icy pond. I'm surprised they did not get hyperfermia, but okay. she She at least got her, like, legs wet. Yes. So the mm-hmm. fact that she's able to lead everybody back to the snow later is kind of shocking, but probably uh, very literally shocking for her. Yeah. And then uh, this leads to uh, Philippe getting, like, caught, uh, and she falls off and... That's when she picks up the branch and does, and actually starts trying to defend Philippe, mm. right? Yeah, the problem is, and this is actually a, a smart thing to do for the animators, because you're like, well, why couldn't she just handle it on her own? There's a lot of wolves. Yeah. There is so yeah. many wolves. Yeah, and she did try. She did try. Again, she, she did. The characters are fairly confident. I'm kind of shocked. She, it's a survival situation, and she's going to do what she can to survive. Luckily, luckily, the beast shows up and fights the wolves. Mm-hmm. And takes them down, and... But uh, when you turn, and there's a moment where you see it, and his arm is bleeding. Like, it's clear blood. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that looks painful. Mm-hmm. And he makes that kind of noise that's like, oh, like a very animalistic, like. Yeah, he makes, like, he makes, like, uh, 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 towards, like, the, the scene 
uh, at the fireplace later. I'm pretty sure I might have almost heard a purr, maybe. Aww. <laughs> no, like, again, animalistic. He does have mm-hmm. um, animalistic behavior. Um, mm-hmm. But he falls, and there is a moment, and this is a good moment. She turns, and she just freezes. And that is a good reaction for what she just went through. Like, mm-hmm. what... And then she freezes to death because she fell. Yeah. <laughs> Literally freezes. No. But like, no, she's pausing and she's just like unsure. Like, what? oh my gosh, what just happened? Just kind of processes everything and is not sure what to do. But then realizes he just saved me. He just left his castle, even though I'm a prisoner, and saved me and nearly died doing so. So... I can't just leave him to die in the snow. I could leave. There's a moment that like crosses her face, like I got, I got to get out of here because he's here too. But then she's like, I can't leave him to die. Yeah, I'm not that kind of person. Th- that would actually be a monstrous thing to do if you think about it. That would have been a monstrous. But, but you could tell like she's like the fi- the flight instinct is still there. But then she stops and goes, No, I can't do that. That's that moment where she's frozen. And that's she's like, that's why. And like, the horror is there on her face. And that's all just by facial expression. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, takes him back to the castle and then. There's the, uh, this bit where... Um, this is all still the same night. Same night. Where <laughs> he's in there, he... Like, his his wounds hurt, and he's licking them. <laughs> <laughs> My heart hurts, because I've seen, like... I've had dogs and cats, like, when they hurt themselves, lick, them, lick their wounds, and it's like, oh, babies. Um, <laughs> and... It's like she has put hot water in. This is gonna hurt. It will hurt. Um, I, I, this verbal exchange between them is great. Uh, yeah, like, but she stands her on two feet. She's like, uh, "You should learn to control your temper." temper. Yeah, yeah. It's like <clears throat> it, he can't really fight back against that. But she she thanks him for saving his life, and he's a little more genteel about that. But yeah, he's they want to be angry, but she's like, it's like these are. Clearly, two personalities. Both are stubborn. They are both very stubborn mm-hmm. people. Yes. And again, this is why with this exchange, I don't think like one. This is clearly someone who has an emotional um, immaturity, doesn't know how to handle his human interaction. Interaction in well. Anyway. But then she's also a very awkward person who's very stubborn mm-hmm. and uh, has no problem standing up for herself, but. There's something else, too, when you think about it. How often has the Beast, as a prince, had to deal with people who stood up for themselves and didn't immediately kowtow to what he said? That's true. For the most part, yeah, because mm-hmm. all the, uh, yes, the servants... She was making to- things difficult because she's not just immediately doing what he says. For the most part, like, yeah, the servants tell him what to do, but then they are like, oh, duh, okay, just kidding, just kidding. That's a suggestion, you know, it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole, we're all in this together, so now we gotta, like, figure out the best way to handle this, but now it's... Now this is someone who's who's standing up for herself in his presence. Mm-hmm. And he sees too that she he saw before that she was selfless and now he can see that she can she she does that too and this is where the ice starts to break a little bit. Just a little. I mean she actually thanks him. Like she's like uh by the way thank you for saving my life. And again, he's kind of shocked by that too. Like oh, wow. Um and he says you're welcome. And yeah, like you said this is when the ice starts to break. So good. Uh, is this when we switch over to... We go back that same, very late that same night. This is a busy night. Mm-hmm. This is at the tavern, and we meet, um, Monsieur Dark. Dark. Uh, voiced Who? by Tony J. He said he, he did his masterpiece theater voice. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
This guy, this guy's spooky too. Of course, he runs the the local asylum. And the idea is, they're going. He's trying to convince them to go to uh, basically Maurice and Belle's place when they're both there to say Maurice is crazy. We're taking him to the asylum. So you want me to throw her father into the asylum unless she agrees to marry you? That's despicable. I love it. <laughs> Here's a bunch of money for it too. That also helps. yeah. Again, Gaston runs the the only tavern in town, as far as I can tell. So he oh, makes a lot of money. Also, same night, Maurice is getting ready to leave. Yeah, he he didn't he Maurice didn't waste any time, did he? By the way, we don't. This could not be the same. This might not be the same night. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same night. I'm pretty sure it's the same night. This is very, 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 very early, late in the night at this point, or early in the morning. Okay, well, we can go with that. Um, and then Maurice leaves, and um, LeFou has to wait until her and her father come home. <laughs> oh, no. Back to the castle. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. I, again, I'm just, yeah, there's not a ton to talk about. Just sort of plot set up, plot set up, plot set up. We see how much of a an actual villain Gaston is. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. an you know, awful thing to do. He's willing to go this to these lengths to get what he wants, and LeFou is just kind of, you know, along for the ride. Um, now we actually move ahead to day three, right? Yes, I assume so. So it's the morning after, because we, we know this because we see the, the, the bandage or the wrappings on, uh, on the beast's arm. It must, it must not have been too long after, at least. No, because we actually see mm. Belle leading Philippe in from the ground. She's wearing a red... Is she wearing the red green. dress? She's wearing the green dress. Green. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she and the Beast go through a lot of costume changes. Yeah, and that's... That's not exactly cheap. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm shocked by it. Especially, like, I, I would have thought that they would have just like reuse the the red one a little bit more or something yeah but they they went a lot more all out to to go through uh uh different types of designs Mm -hmm. uh because like it's not it's not even like you have to have you have to have a a a character turnaround for every single one of those to keep everything on model Mm -hmm. you you have to like go through different like designs for every single one. So that takes a lot of like work to do. Um, uh, it's less easy on like colorists to do when they inevitably fill all that in. Like it's, it's not cheap. It's no. not cheap to have like more than one costume. No, so not at to all. have them go through so many is <laughs> pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> mm. yeah. God. They went the it definitely mile. adds to it. They want the extra mile and it gives mm-hmm. it, it, this is great because like shortly after this, we get sort of that montage that to me reinforces the most important part of the movie, which is the actual passage of time. Like this isn't just a few days. They've spent like maybe a week. No, no, we are not getting to that part yet. No. Oh, no, 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 no. That's right. <laughs> How dare I'm not, you? I'm not glossing. No, I'm saying keep that in mind. Because we're going to go back to probably one of the most important things that happens to be an icebreaker, which is Kayla. Okay, so the Beast is like, I want to do something nice for her because she just did something nice for me. And <laughs> David Ogden Steers decides to um, make up on the spot. Um, there's the usual things. Chocolates, roses, promises you don't tend to keep. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were given... They were given... Oh, okay... Can I can I have to commend Cogsworth and Lumiere for being the ultimate wingmen? Yes. 
But like it's like it has to be something special, something that sparks her interest. Wait a minute, and then we don't know what she's. They don't. He doesn't know what she's interested. In. No, he doesn't well, know her well at all. But they got a little sense already. It's like there is something she. We did learn she does like, and uh, he does do something really sweet for her. He uh, clo- says, "Close your eyes," and she he takes her into this room that just happens to be a huge library full of books mm-hmm. and Kayla wants mm-hmm. it really badly. <laughs> it is no, I as a little kid I was like I want it. I want this library so badly. And actually mm-hmm. a, a lot of bookworms um I've heard say the same thing. I felt that. I definitely felt that as a kid as I looked at that room I'm like, "Oh my god, I could live here." So uh, <laughs> uh, apparently this uh this pair bears a very strong resemblance to an actual library. Oh, where? Called the uh, <laughs> uh, the Bibliothèque Nationale de France in Paris. Oh, so if that, we're going to France. We're going to France. Let's <laughs> go now. So this, I don't know if it's available. I'm just going to make public. a nest in a bookshelf and just live there. <laughs> I don't know if it's available to the public. Oh, though. good. But, but I if, mean, if it is, I'm going. No, that library is exquisite. Oh man. What a and and Belle is immediately mm-hmm. just like. This oh is my the God. nicest thing anyone's ever done for By me. By the way, I like how the again looks like a camera is panning over to show how huge it is and just mm-hmm. and it's big. It's big. It's uh, And he's like, "It's yours. Do what you want with it." It's all. And she's like, "Oh my God." <laughs> Probably doesn't really reflect well on uh, on me, but uh, I realize that this is supposed to be like a very a very uh, touching and emotional scene, but. Uh, all, all I could, uh, <laughs> all I could think uh, of when I saw the library, uh, uh, rewatching it was, oh yeah, I remember that from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Never changed. You know, you know what? I'm, I would lie if I didn't say there was a couple of parts from Beauty and the Beast where I was like, oh yeah, I remember wandering through that during Kingdom Hearts. The Hollow Bastion? No, they actually go to the Beauty and the Beast world. Oh, okay. Because I remember that's where you meet the Beast in Kingdom Hearts 1. But, yeah, in the sequel, but that's, in but, the sequel you actually go to his... Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. No, I never played yeah, the sequel. I, re- I remember, I remember uh, some areas based specifically off of the, the library... In particular, mm. hey, you know what? One of the parts I actually really enjoy at um, the Disney Animation Studio. Building yes. at yes. is that they have a they have a series of rooms you go through that are themed after different things. One of the mm-hmm. first ones you go into is the Beast's Library, and it changes from like a dark library to like the un, you know the Curse is Broken Library. It's pretty awesome. Oh, nice! Like they do it by like changing the lighting the gargoyles have like a scrim so they change from like the cherubic things to like snarling lions and um the painting above the fireplace gets ripped but then repairs itself the fireplace goes out it's really cool by the way i love that room so much there's been times i've just gone there and like sat there for like good 20 30 minutes. i've done that too <laughs> i've done that too when i like I, I should i could be elsewhere doing other stuff that the, at Disney's California Adventure, but it's no. di- but it's also Disney's California Adventure. There's not that much else to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, now we get the montage. We get the, a musical montage. Yeah, where they're getting to know mm-hmm. each other. Um, I do. There is a bit I do like. It's like they're having breakfast. They're having um, oh, what's uh, it's a uh, oatmeal and uh, presumably. I mean, she's eating it normally, and you could tell he hasn't. He's again very animalistic, eating it like an animal, and they're like. 
and he tries to eat normally and he can't really do it. So she compromises and they're like, oh, let's just sit mm-hmm. for a minute. And I like that. I kind of like the mm-hmm. fact that it, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be proper now. It's like, no, it's it's still a process. It does take time. Yeah. And, and she doesn't she doesn't force himself to to get into that right away. Mm-hmm. And because, again, as someone who has emotional immaturity uh, issues and is kind of working his way through it. Um, we don't really know the passage of time during this, though. But we can presume. OK, here I was thinking about this, though, because I was worried that, um, you know, this was all over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. But it's not because she changes mm-hmm. outfits enough. Um, and that's probably why they do include the outfit. Yeah, that is probably why they did that now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. They and put the effort in to really, really show that uh, that uh, it is a, uh, a longer passage of time than just a single, like, afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like, feeding the birds and whatever, that all happens in one bit. Um, and them eating breakfast probably happened on a different day. Them being out in the snow happened a different day. Them being in the library or being by the fireplace reading a book together yeah, happens a different day. Um, because, and, th- and this is the important part, when it gets to the bit where the where Mrs. Potts and Cogsworth and Lumiere are all singing about how, who'd have guessed they'd come together on their own? By the way, his arm's completely healed, too. Oh yeah, that's right. So he's, his arm's had time to heal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but they, so it has to have been a, a little while, at the very least. Yeah. This is the part that, that helped me realize that this, the, the, pa- the, the timeline pacing is actually pretty good. And we can mm-hmm. see a few days more. Perhaps there's something there that wasn't there before. So we can mm-hmm. see it. So there's, there, it has been a few days. And it, with a few more days, mm-hmm. this could blossom and then the curse could be broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So time has passed. They have spent time together. And it, during this time, she's humanized him, really. She's helped to make him more human, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they... Uh, it shows they do have a nice, playful relationship. Um, like, I mean, they're playing the snow. Although there's that point where he makes this huge snowball, and you're like, "Oh god, oh god!" And that hits her. Oh god. <laughs> hey, we want to we want to talk about we we want to talk about the sub theme of forbidden love again. Oh uh, yes, okay, again. And I I brought this up to David. Like, there's a point where she's like new and a bit alarming. Who had ever thought this could be true? That he's no prince charming but there's something in him that I simply didn't see. Yeah, this is clearly a forbidden love, and again, plays on the whole LGBTQ. Odd girl, she's different from everyone else, isn't in love with the guy that everybody expects her to be in love with. Uh, Again, in the beginning, what's wrong with her? She's crazy. He's gorgeous. Why isn't she attracted to this man? Instead, she's attracted to someone she shouldn't be attracted to. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah, Howard Ashman had his fingerprints in this. He's also a, the main producer for it too. So yeah, good for him. Good. Yes. Good on you, Howard. Uh huh. And uh, then this leads to oh, this scene. The one-two punch. The this gorgeous scene. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. There's the bath. The beast gets oh, a yeah, bath. That part's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're getting the pep mm-hmm. talk while having the bath. Lumiere being an awesome wingman. Coat rack being an awesome bath and haircutist, and it's kind of adorable because he's like fallen. He's like I've fallen in love with her, and he's trying to figure out how to say I love you to her, and it's like that's so cute. That's adorable. <laughs> um, and we get the dance, this, the ballroom. Oh, scene. you look so so stupid. <laughs> By the way, he's dressed in blue during this part. Transformation uh-huh. complete. Is, yeah. Transformation complete. 
So uh, this is the part uh, where we have our famous ballad, Beauty and the Beast. By the way, um, so both Howard Ashman and Alan Menken went to Angelina's for you. They're like, we want you to sing this. And she's like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm the right person for this. I, I don't think my voice is up to it. And they said, let's do one recording and it, like as a backup. And if nothing else works, we'll like, at least we have this. And she's like, okay. She, that one recording is what ends up in the film. She sang it. One take. One take wonder Angela Lansbury. And the crew wow. after that cried. They were like like in tears, like like moved by this. Aww. And they're like, Nope, <laughs> this is it. Th- this is It is moving. Jeez. Yeah. It is. Like this is um uh... mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's and it is a beautiful scene. The mm-hmm. the use of caps mm-hmm. in it is gorgeous, how it's sweeping and I even like the yeah. moment when they're and... just Huh? <laughs> Go ahead. I I I was a little bit I was a little bit nervous about the scene going in because I remember oh yeah it, that was really that was really you know praises being uh, ahead of its time and all that because of its use of of 3D for that whole ballroom scene and it's ahead of its time does not always mean good mm-hmm. uh, inherently yeah, there there's a there's a lot of really really not good use of CG and 3D assets in 2D films mm-hmm. that I have I've seen since then but it aged a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah. I yeah, you know mm-hmm. what? I was surprised too. The use of 3D in this is actually well done. It actually mm-hmm. does. I mean, I still mm-hmm. notice it. Don't get me wrong. I still notice Oh it. yeah, it's still noticeable, but it doesn't it doesn't exactly draw yourself out of the film as much as some other uh things tend to. Yeah. Um and I think it might just be because they kept it like it's it's a ballroom, so there's there's uh, nothing in it aside from the background, and there's no like uh, uh, characters or anything either. It's it's just um, the the background environment and nothing else. It and you know um, like I think it has to be handed to them how well composited. Like I've seen three D mm-hmm. shots of stuff where the two D characters are obviously like not on the same plane mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. really obvious that they're trying to move it with this. It's mm-hmm. so smooth. It doesn't mm-hmm. look it looks seamless to me. Mm-hmm. And that I have to I really gotta hand it to the animators. Like that yeah. that it, sweeping... it takes real, real skill to do something like oh, that. Yeah. It's, it's that one sweeping shot where we've gone to the ceiling and seen the cherubs and we sweep back down from the chandelier to them dancing and they never jar, like jar or shift awkwardly from their positions mm-hmm. on the floor. It seems mm-hmm. steady and smooth, and they really seem like they're there. And mm-hmm. that is an incredible shot for all the composition mm-hmm. work that had to go into that. By the way, also the fact that there are actually still moments where you can see them falling in love too, like the, the point where like she lays her head on his shoulder. That's like a very slight romantic moment, and it's so smooth, mm-hmm. like. Wow. I actually love how she really gently kind of leads him into the dance. Yeah. But then kind of lets him take the lead over time. Like, she's so nurturing to him. Mm-hmm. And it's so mm-hmm. sweet. And uh, it is kind of a funny moment. Or like when they're having dinner together <laughs> at the beginning, too. Like. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's kind of funny, though, like, like at the one part when she she puts her head on, he looks up and he's smiling, like, <gasps> and then <laughs> you got Louie and Cosmo going, like, yes! <laughs> best wingman best wingman 
Um, <laughs> lights go down. They walk outside onto the balcony. There's uh, a shooting star, and they're holding hands. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! And again, they don't even say anything, and it's just these slight romantic parts. They're just, oh god, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, and honestly, like I said, you, you talked about Angela Lansbury. Yeah, she she killed it. Yeah, it's really good. She did a really good job. So, um, she yeah. Are you happy here? And she is, but she has that moment when she kind of realizes, oh wait, what about what about my father? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My father. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect you to make a um my I'm that terrible a person. You are awful. I'm a connection. <laughs> oh my god. I hate you and I love you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, he shows her a magic mirror that can look into the outside world, and that's how she's able to figure out, like, her father is uh, mm. sick and could be dying. He mm. apparently, uh, like, if she's been there for a very long time, imagine how long he's been out in the woods. That's a good point. Um, that's why I was like, how many days have actually passed? But then again, every time anybody's gone to that castle from the village and it's been like a day, they've been on horseback. That's true. He's a walking by himself. Yeah, and, and he's lost in the woods. Yeah, he doesn't know where he's going. He has he has no clue. He grabbed uh, all those. He grabbed all those like mapping supplies. He like he grabbed he grabbed like a globe and a sextant and like yeah yeah like he seemed like he was preparing for a pretty lengthy journey. Mm-hmm. He brought probably brought provisions like food and such too. But yeah, like yeah, he's been out he didn't see him packing any, but he probably did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But he did have a bag mm-hmm. with him. Maurice isn't an idiot. Yeah, but so. it's like he's been out there so long. It, at least it show, it's not, it doesn't show him like. Um, he's been out there long enough that a lot of the snow from the earlier scenes has kind of melted. Yes. And <clears throat> this is clearly someone who's now sick and maybe dying. Like this. <clears throat> so if it were, it'd be one thing if he was still looking, he's like, really, he's been out here for like a month or so and he's still alive. No, he's actually suffering. So it's like, okay, maybe, yeah, he might've been out here for a very long time. Not sure where he's going. <clears throat> and then Beast does the thing. He says, go, go to him. I'm mm-hmm. not going to keep you prisoner here anymore. But yep. you can tell this is also a tough decision for him because he's like, he has his hands on the rose. He knows he, it's wilted. And she knows that if she leaves, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other chance. That's that's going to be it. But he he cares about her so much that he's willing to to do that. And that's that's real love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, exactly, too, because yeah. like. The, what, it was expedient. Like, you see that Cogsworth and Lumiere are looking at the rose like, it has to be tonight that you do the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. He he lets her go, so she, I mean, she goes because, again, her dad's dying. He she, Yeah, yeah. But you see the gratitude and, and like, the, the kind of yearning, like, she's like, to be honest, like, if it weren't for this situation, I wouldn't leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. she... She wants to stay, mm-hmm. but she's like, no, I got to go to him. But the fact that he did this for me is like, just shows that, yeah, now he has changed. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the most, the act, most incredible act of love that he's done. Like his, he's, I know he, he just is. did, he just did the complete, he, he followed her example. He did the selfless thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she leaves and, uh, he knows, he knows it could kill him. And yet much like mm-hmm. she knew it could kill her. And yet. He does it. Yeah. And yeah. she goes, she saves her father. Thank goodness she's mm. able to find him. Yeah, that's that's handy. <laughs> Gets him home. And- yeah, takes the mirror with her, which I have mixed feelings about. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't really I don't really know, like, how how else you would be able to 
uh, show um, like show everybody that the beast exists and, and, you know, show that Maurice is in trouble in the first place. Uh, but mm, yeah, as, as a thing in, in the overall, like grand scheme of the, the, the film, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like it, here it works. Okay. Any other yeah, movie. Like it, it, it works. It works fine and everything. It's just, I don't know how I feel about him having it. Well, like, I think the idea was, uh, and they even said that yeah, with only with just a magic mirror as his only way to look at the outside world, it's kind of a, uh, it really right, is a okay. cruel like taunt. Like, hey, guess what? You can look at um, the rest of the world and see how great they are and how compared to how miserable you are. <laughs> and further evidence that this enchantress is vindictive. Oh no, she is horrible. <laughs> she is a terrible person. They the and. Because that's another thing. He can't leave the castle. Or no, he can. What am I saying? He can leave the castle, but he won't because he's a beast. He's a beast. Anyway, it, sorry. So, I like, didn't... there's a reason it exists, but I'm with you. Like, if this was in a, a not-as-good movie, this would be a bad plot device. It really would. It would have been poor. <laughs> it would have been, like, why is this here? This feels, like, icky and weird. But mm. because it is actually well-used, at least it... Chekhov's mirror. Um, so Benny allows her to keep the mirror because, well, you can look back on, she can look back at me anytime or look back on us or us, look back on the castle and remember your life here. You always have a home here too. Yeah. That's the, uh, another thing. Um, so yeah, she goes, saves her father, brings him back. Chip is stowed away by the way. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) He stowed away off camera, but, or he kind of did. He heard them talking and then he slipped into, uh, Belle's bag. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, that's because you're, oh, you heard the other characters talking about, like, like, well, this isn't going to break the spell. This is only one half of it's been kind of covered. And then he, uh, that's when Chip goes. But, um, you gotta wonder, do you think Belle had the intention of, like, taking Maurice home, making sure he was well, and then being like, hey, come back to the castle with me. Things are pretty rad here. I want you to meet my new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> or my, my beast friend. She might have. I mean, like, uh, he's like, uh, cause there is a point where, uh, he says, uh, um, how'd you escape? He, she says, he let me go. And he's like, that horrible beast. He's like, no, he's different now. He's changed. Like, she's about to explain it. And then Chip. I like how delighted Maurice is to see Chip, though, too. It is a good. Well, Chip was very kind to him as well. That, that's true. He got the nice hot spot of tea. Um, oh, can I just say, LeFou? How dedicated is LeFou? <laughs> he's he's so been out there for days in front of Belle's house. Don't move from that spot. He's been there for months. <laughs> At least a week. Cartoon logic, everyone. <laughs> oh, they're back. He's just he's just he's just been sitting around eating twigs. LeFou <laughs> can live off of his LeFou is a real survivor. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, and of course, inconvenient timing here's uh, the moment LeFou reports, yeah, here comes uh, Monsieur d'Arc with the wagon to take Maurice to the uh, asylum. Gaston kicks his plan into gear. And then and the whole village turns out because it's a spectacle because they have nothing better to do with their time. It's a small town. (laughs) They don't care. Well, I mean, they care. They need to leave this place immediately. Yeah, uh, David, in my my hometown uh, a few years ago, uh, a, a... a uh, fire truck blew by to someplace uh, relatively close, and literally 
a whole bunch of uh, uh, people close to the area, uh, my my immediate family included, all just gathered around to watch uh, a barn on fire while while they put it out. So yeah, wow. People people in small towns are there for spectacles. Meanwhile, it happens. Yeah, in Southern California. <laughs> this, I mean, keep in mind this is the kind of town where if there was a gallows, you bet they would be gathering oh, for a hanging. Yeah. You know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, in like Southern California. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, I I think I hear. Is there a sirens. siren? Yeah. <laughs> there's an accident. Oh, there's like uh, there's traffic. Oh god, we're gonna be stuck in traffic for a while because of this accident. So um, Gaston makes his ultimatum. Bell says no, and, and they're about to haul him off because he's saying the reason why he's being taken off to the asylum is because he was raving about a beast, and it's like mm-hmm. how crazy is he talking about a beast, really? Yeah. And um, uh, here comes the magic mirror to prove everybody wrong. Show me the beast. Yep. That blows up in Bell's face pretty big because now Gaston is like, how do I turn this around? Because he's he you could see a moment that crosses his face. He's not a monster, Gaston. You are. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh. I can't believe that she chose a literal animal over me. This is why, again, LGBTQ themes got a machismo male who thinks I can get any woman I want can't get a woman to this one woman to be attracted to him and she's attracted to someone she's not supposed to be attracted to exactly Mm -hmm. and that sets him off and we need to persecute (laughs) this person because they're different and this I, monster. So there is a, yeah, and then the mob song plays. And, <laughs> uh, there is actually a part uh, in the lyrics. Um, uh, oh my goodness. Um, well, I do appreciate the nod to um, Macbeth with uh, Screw Your Courage to the Sticking Place. Yeah. <laughs> I love, the, uh, what is that thing? Um, I'm uh, enough of a nerd to know where that line yeah, is from. Yeah, I, I did too. I, as a kid, I when I first heard those lyrics, I'm like, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> and... Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this whole this whole bit is is very very well done. I I love how the the backgrounds look, all the lighting, yeah. how it's got that like dark blue. I don't I don't totally a hundred percent understand why the uh, the uh, the mirror is suddenly like spouting. Uh, green devil magic, but uh, I'm game. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. And then, I mean, they cool. at least established the <laughs> little magical electricity that hovers around it, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, uh, oh, yeah. Here is part of the uh, the lyrics. We don't like what we don't understand, and in fact, it scares us, and this monster is mysterious at least. Bring your guns, mm-hmm. bring your knives, save your children and your wife, so save our village and our life. Let's kill the beast. Again! Mm-hmm. I, Howard Ashman had jokes like, I don't know how I got away with these lyrics, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm shocked. <laughs> we don't like what we don't understand, and it scares us. <laughs> like, that's so oh, spot on. So good. <laughs> and then. We get rain and lightning again. And uh, mm-hmm. this is, I love how the part where, by the way, all the creatures, or not creatures, the uh, items are like, uh-oh, there's a mob coming, but they're mm-hmm. prepared. And mm-hmm. by the way, if there is a reason to have a whole enchanted castle, this is a really good reason. Mm-hmm. How did the mob get to the castle so quickly? Mm-hmm. It took Maurice. Ma- well, then again, Maurice must have a, a terrible sense of direction. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, like they, oh, oh. yeah, like he he he's he's an old man. He's like he's really exhausted, so it must have taken him a long time to get there. Like he he has that mirror, so like that could I'm, be a... I'm assuming it's implying it gives like some kind of direct route in also, some way. Also, show me the castle. Also, here's another yeah. thing. It was snowing when he was wandering. Oh, good point. It's mm. it's melted now. So mm-hmm. they're now able to cross places he probably couldn't cross before. That is again, also true. And again, Gaston's on a horse. There's a huge mob. There, He knows how to get there. If you know how to get to the castle, it's not that hard to reach. Yes. However, mm-hmm. they're, they're still going on foot, so it must take them a while. And it gives, but it does buy Belle and, um, uh, Belle and, um, Maurice enough time to like get and and Chip more importantly yeah. enough time to get out of the cellar where they're locked in because Chip being a total rad kid See? manages to get the uh, the Maurice's uh, wood, wood chop. chopper working to chop the entrance open because <laughs> they oh yeah they threw him into here we go they threw him into the uh, I guess his workshop yeah they threw they lock more uh, the basement workshop. I actually do like the line. Like he, Maurice looks through the hole. It's like here's the sound of its wood chopper. And he's like, "What the devil?" <laughs> what a great response! <laughs> Look out! Oh my gosh! His invention really did save their lives. Well, Chip saved their mm-hmm. lives again. Competent characters that shouldn't be that competent. Thank you, movie, for making Chip do something useful. Mm-hmm. For actually having him be there for a reason. Yeah. I don't know how he got the thing to start firing up, but... Yeah, magic teacup powers. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But, again, they get through the castle. The items are like, okay, we're prepared for this. The master won't do anything. And invaders, and they have the mirror. They never once question, why are they here, and why do they have the mirror that we clearly saw them give Belle? You'd think they'd be like, you don't think she betrayed us, do you? They never bring that up. They're just like, we have to figure this part out. These guys are going to come in, and they're going to come attack us. We need to take them down. And yeah, they they are they are fully prepared to go into battle. They are one hundred and ten percent ready. Yeah, but uh, man, does Beast not care? Yeah, he's like, I might as well just die. Yeah, he he's just <sighs> like, yeah, yeah, it's over, it's done. Yeah, no more. Without her, what's the point? Well, because mm-hmm. he knows now who's being codependent. Well, here's now who's got <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Uh, let's not forget <laughs> that the flower is wilting. And oh yeah, there's any point like. Uh, this will... She won't come back, and the flower's gonna go, and I'm gonna be a beast forever, and... Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Chris I just wanna die. Depression, man. Uh, it's, I know. It's, it's awful. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they come in, and... This fight scene is really satisfying. Like... Especially because they use Be Our Guest in the background yes. as the music. Mm. Yeah, come be our guest while we kick your butts. And the way that they actually utilize as <laughs> items and attack them is pretty satisfying as well mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. violent too like, i like how wow. it's it's a really really good segment it is you know i actually really like the detail of like you'll see some characters fighting in the foreground but then you'll see shadows on the wall of other comic fights going on like someone getting hit on the head with a frying pan over and over again is like a shadow you see on a wall while like someone else is being hit by the you know the drawers you know like it's it's good <laughs> It's good. Have you guys have you guys seen uh the 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 cabinet with the bat? The Wait, cabinet. No. Oh. oh yeah. Uh hold on, let me ring up chat again. Just so you guys can see it. Okay. He's ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Oh I did see that guy. Look at him. He's like <laughs> There's I- a cabinet that's straight up holding a baseball bat. And he's like, yeah. I, I got this. 
<laughs> he is ready to take down. This he is so ready. I love that guy. I love that 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 cabinet. Um, <laughs> oh, and each each person gets each uh, in, each of the characters gets a chance to shine. Mrs. Potts does the whole b- b- burn, and her children get to do the burning tea. Yeah, pour, it, you just burn people with scalding hot water. Um, uh, Madame Amois drops from above and crushes a dude. Um, the coat rack fisticuffs with somebody. Um, Lumiere gets to uh, save the feather duster. Use it. Um, no one else lays a, fe- a hand on those feathers but me. <laughs> <laughs> I I really especially love the uh, the the shot that they do uh, with the first person scissors. Oh, yes. with Cogsworth sliding. Yeah. This is my favorite Cogsworth moment in the movie where he's got the mm-hmm. Napoleon hat on. <laughs> Time to go to battle and <laughs> like I've never seen Cogsworth that happy except for when he's mm-hmm. dancing during be our guest and stay out. <laughs> And yeah, they win. Except Gaston's now up in the like second floor. He managed to sneak away during during all the confusion. And he's. Oh, I just I just want to I just wanted to quickly acknowledge that Wilhelm was there before we there, move on. Yeah, there was a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> oh yeah, we know that too. <laughs> Which is good. Um, and he kicks in the door and shoots Beast in the shoulder with an arrow. And Beast yeah. does not care. Tackles him, throws yep. him out a window. There's a fight. This is a good fight. It's not. It's pretty one-sided at first until the Beast realizes that Bell is there and is well, coming back. There, that she a, came back for him. There is a task, toxic masculine line that he says. He's like, "What's the matter, Beast? <laughs> Too kind and gentle to fight back." And like, oh, that's I, right. That is such a thing to say. Like, uh, like it, it's like one of those lines that like some tough guy says to uh, another guy that's may seem more feminine which is yeah <laughs> did you feel for that or yeah i did <laughs> oh man but again it's nice because then he realizes bell did come back for him it like gives him reason to live so then he's willing to fight gaston well she came back for him and uh he realizes oh oh my gosh she cares and he's like maybe yeah so i do like this is a good fight scene yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And there's rain all over and... the roofs, and also we gotta get props. Belle's not just standing on the sidelines; she's running up those stairs, and like I'm gonna get there, and I'm gonna try and stop this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I did notice about uh, the the fight in particular mm-hmm. was the use of some uh, force perspective, oh, and yeah. I really love how those piece together. Because mm-hmm. how 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 they work is that you know when you start off with a with a uh, uh, um, like a, a background um, you usually want to have perspective lines so that everything uh, lines into place correctly. Yeah. But if you if you want to um, make it seem as if like uh, uh, you know have one piece of artwork but cover like two completely opposite corners of a room. Then you have the uh, the uh, um, the lines bend a little bit so that it looks like one wall is closer than the other, and it looks really really cool uh, when when it's just like panned a- across quickly. Mm-hmm. But they are very very goofy looking if you just look at them uh, uh, just full on. Yeah. Like there's one there of the the castle, and it's just 
is it's totally bent and it doesn't look right, but in in motion, it's it's so well done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. might explain some of the concept art I've seen for Epic Mickey, where they show shots like that of, mm-hmm. of the Dark Beauty Castle. I, I have an art book about that thing, because, my goodness, I love the like design I, the design aesthetic <laughs> of that game, if anything. Mm-hmm. And they show yeah. the castle looking like that picture, like mm-hmm. that shot. And it's like, yeah, that actually is cool, because it's like, what would happen if you just looked at the Force perspective and it just gives you this, like, just warped-looking, almost kind of nightmarish castle, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah, so they they did that but like panning across one of the one of the spires at the top and it's really I I I very much like how those look and they are very hard to do. Yes. It's oh, <laughs> perspective in and of itself is hard. Perspective when you have to break it intentionally also very hard. Mm-hmm. I love having an animator on this and like explain. This. <laughs> this, this is awesome. I love this. So um so the beast almost kills Gaston. Like, there's a moment where you think he's going to do it, you know? And, yeah, it, beast actually is holding him over the, like, cliff, like, and Gaston realizes his own mortality. He's like, oh, no, please don't hurt me. I'll do anything. And beast realizes, you know what? No, I'm not as low as you are. Yeah, he doesn't want to stoop to his level. I love the the slow, like, change of his face, though, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so gradual, too. Yeah. Puts me get out he has this gradual realization that he doesn't want to hurt people anymore right he never wanted to be the monster that people made him out to be so to mm-hmm. not be that monster he's going to be do the the right thing and not kill gaston and even though a moment later uh gaston does plummet to his death it's not deliberate the beast no. did not throw him over the over the edge yeah because he sees bell mm-hmm. Climbs up to meet her. Uh, uh, takes her hand. Takes her hand. This is such a sweet moment. He gets stabbed by Gaston uh, in the side, and oh, that looks painful. Yep. And he, again, when you're in pain, you're like, you're just yelping. And doesn't he flail and like hit Gaston, and then Gaston loses his footing? Yeah, by accident. Yeah. They're both about to fall, but Bell catches, like grabs Beast before he can. Yep. And Gaston plummets to his death. Mm-hmm. Another one for the plummet counter. Another one for the plummet counter. This is like this is like almost like I think one of the most iconic plummets. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um let's uh let's cue up that plummet counter. There we go. Ah, I got to remember I got to count up what what number we're at right now, but um yeah. This is a good one. Um you probably know about this one Beth, but did you there's a couple of frames where he's falling toward the camera where the um in his eyes, where the whites of his eyes are, or no, like like the 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 what do they call that? Not the not the white of the eyes, but the you know there's the, the black human? and then there's the, the iris. His irises mm-hmm. are little skulls. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, you mean the black of the eyes? Yeah, there's the there's, there's the shine in the black of the eyes. Oh my god, is a skull mm-hmm. for two mm-hmm. for a for like when he's get close to the camera before they cut to him falling into the abyss as he's falling. Well, that's dark. Yeah, that was done. That's a little <laughs> Easter egg for you there. You can look that up. Yep. <laughs> yep. I I I know about it, and yeah, there, I'm glad at least one there, of us didn't know. There that is. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. Oh boy. I you know for a podcast, there sure are a lot of images flying around. <laughs> yep. I should probably stop. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I did not realize. Oh my gosh. That's dark. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not like it's not like super cartoony either. It's no. just 
pretty blatantly a skull. He's looking death in the face. Yeah. Um. So, oh, yeah. This anyway, scene, and then this scene. Oh yeah, this is the other scene. So, do you want to do you want to take point on this one, Kayla? Sure. So I know this, you you love this. This scene is no, very. No, it's so sweet. Like this is a point where like he's dying and. Actually, actually, the way they like touch each other and like are and are like holding like holding he's holding her face in his, uh, his hand is a very romantic, loving gesture. That's very um, that's a very couple thing to do, um, and it's very sweet and it's like it is heartbreaking. And she says, "I love you," just before he dies, and then this bit of animation and score where. The transformation happens and he's lifted is insanely good. Mm-hmm. Just wow. Like the the score to this is incredible by the way. Like this is an amazing piece of music. And then the way he transforms and like is also really good animation. I've heard people say like also say this part this an- animation is also insanely good as well. Oh yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Because transformation stuff is also very difficult to uh, to do. Yeah, and it's it's such it's such like I know I know I've seen uh, a handful of like uh, films try and do that whole like light bursting out of uh, uh, people since then, mm-hmm. but I think that's probably the earliest that I've ever seen it. Yeah, and it's it's very cool. It's it's it is quite an astounding s- scene, and then uh, like you see him as human, and mm-hmm. again he has those same eyes, and that's how Bell is able to recognize that it's the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also in the way, like I said, um, the way they touch each other, um, how they like put, like the way they place their hands and all that. Um, mm-hmm. those are very romantic gestures. Like, I, like, um, David and I do that. Um, I think, yeah. I think we relate to that especially because we're very, we're very touchy-feeling yes. people. Uh-huh. And so, so like, be, whoever made this understood how couples interact, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads to their climactic kiss scene, and that is one heck of a kiss. It leads to mm-hmm. the castle transforming, and this also uses caps as well, you can tell. Yeah. And it's well done here as well. The curse is just completely lifted. Yeah. And everybody transforms back into human again and Or dog, and this is the case maybe the footstool. Sucks. They made the dog into a item as well. Really? The dog didn't <laughs> do anything. I know. This enchantress is awful. So so I have a I have a question for you guys. Sure. Okay. Who who do you think has like the best uh, post curse design. I you, oh, you mean like oh? In terms of looking human. Um, yeah. Or or see. or dog. If you want to say the dog, that's fine. Um. But. Let's see. Lumiere, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts, Chip, the dog. I have a weird one. What? Mm-hmm. The maid. Okay. Oh, yeah, she looks pretty good. Actually, she looks fairly. Mm-hmm. But she but she matches her old design really well too. Hmm. Hmm. I think they did that really well with with a lot of them, where uh, they still have like elements of of the um, the uh, the object in in their the overall design. Yeah, uh, Lumiere. I, uh, Lumiere in his mm-hmm. human form reminds me of Ichabod Crane. Yeah, he does. He, he does. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, 
the, but it, there is. I I think I know where you're going. They do look probably. <laughs> they do look kind of cartoony. But 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 it works because yeah. you can still see I, the design mm-hmm. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like when it comes to when it comes to uh, just like things in general, where you see something for a majority of it one way, and then suddenly they're changed to something else, then it's going to be a little bit jarring, regardless of what the design is, because uh-huh. it's just you're so you're so used to seeing something a certain way and hearing a certain voice coming out of it that it doesn't look or feel right coming out of something else that's just it's 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 that's just how it is yeah this is the uh, reason why at like the disney parks if you meet the beast or actually well his name is prince adam by the way like mm-hmm. that is, that actually is his legitimate name uh this was um and this was revealed by the cd-rom tie-in game as well as in the broadway musical they call him prince mm-hmm. adam mm. so his real name is adam but um okay they always go for the beast instead of prince adam because a lot of people they, they admit they're like well we we watched the beast we were with him the whole way through we we're mm, that's what they that's what they like yeah. you know again uh, again looking back at la belle elabet or mm-hmm. elabet yes uh, as inspiration supposedly there's that story about that actress who watched the movie and when he transformed she said out loud at the screening oh where is my beautiful beast <laughs> yeah, because it's like they've been following this beast the whole time, and mm-hmm. then now it's he's become human, and it's like, yeah, this is supposed to happen, but 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 it's great because you see enough of the looks of the beast on Adam mm-hmm. that it works. Yeah, he's got he's got the same like the hair is still kind of the same as the mane, and he's got the same eyes. They 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 do have some similarities carrying over. The heavy the heavy brow is still kind of there too, you yeah. know. Like, mm-hmm. it's great. I love the transition, by yeah, the way. Mm-hmm. The transition picks, is really well done. When, when he picks Belle up and spins her around, and then mid-spin, we jump to the future. And now they're, and they're complete their spin in the ballroom, presumably at their, their wedding? I'm assuming it's their wedding? Well, Something Maurice like is that. there, and he's dressed nicely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And, I mean, Chip says, are they going to live happily ever after, Mama? And he's <laughs> like, of course, dear. Where are the rest of Chip's brothers and sisters? Mrs. Potts has a lot of kids. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, we, we don't <laughs> talk about that. Um, man, oh man. And then it ends with um, them dancing. And yes, mm-hmm. I, David pointed this out. It is reused from the final yep. dance sequence. It's, from It's Cinderella. Uh, Sleeping Beauty. Or Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. My mistake. Yes. And <laughs> Close there, enough. There is a reason. Remember, Close enough. <laughs> remember when I told you it was two years into the four years? Yeah. There, I mean, that's not a lot of time, and even so- they, they, no, I mean, and I look, I don't blame I, me pointing these things out when I have, or us pointing these things out, is not a dig mm-hmm. at them. It's just fun to kind of spot the reused animation. It's like where's Waldo? Yeah, because it's a- almost like an Easter egg, really. Yeah, it's not. You can't really, you can't really fault uh, uh, companies for um, reusing things in in that regard if it's right. not quite like as blatant. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like, nowhere there's nothing, near. There's nothing wrong with reusing stuff. And art is hard. Animation is hard. Yeah. yeah. Don't judge people if they reuse I don't. things. It's fine. I'm gonna say it's nowhere near as egregious as like Robin Hood, for example. No, this is like the only. Mm-hmm. One it's of, like that and the deer at the beginning are like okay. The only uses, mm-hmm. and even then they said, "Look, we had two years, and we were nearing the deadline. This was the easiest we could do to like wrap mm-hmm. it up." It worked out. 
and it's still mm-hmm. beautiful. It ends. Yeah, it's a, it's still a fine shot to end the to end the film on. It's still fine. Yeah. The the last shot of the film is especially good because we get the stained glass window again. Yep. Mm-hmm. I and then it, we end with the Beauty and the Beast uh, song sang by chorus and cue credits and Kayla cries. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and she did. I I won't lie. I won't. No. I won't lie. Uh, I I really miss films ending with songs like that. I really do. Yeah. Like with where, a choir like, type. Where it's like it's it's a little bit it's a little bit synthy. It's like it's kind of like eighties ballad ish a little bit. Oh, you mean the, like, the, the 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 cover that plays over the credits with Selena? Yeah, yeah. Price. Just the specific yeah. the specific cover. Like, I really, I really like as cheesy as a lot of them are. I really miss just uh, animated films in general ending with songs that sound generally like that. I miss that too, actually. I, I'm, you're not the only one. I yeah, because it's been it's been a little bit more like pop lately and you know it makes sense considering the time but i just i miss it a little bit that's all yeah no i get you <laughs> yeah this is less it's still a pop song but it's it's a 90s pop song and, early well, 90s yeah it feels more yeah. r&b and than it is also mm-hmm. that kind of states the power of that song in general so uh mm-hmm. it is yeah it, it this movie is incredible i i it, like uh, as i go through this whole journey of watching every single disney film um, and like when I first started, I was like, oh, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie of all time. It's still stands the test. Like I watched it. I was engrossed. I loved every moment I was in. I, I, it, it, it resonated <laughs> with me so much. And I just like, oh, mm-hmm. oh man. I'm actually curious, having re- gone in the order we've done things and revisited all these movies before it too, does it give you a, an additional level of appreciation for this film? Oh, I think so. I think I, I think also more as an adult too. Watching this, like um, it's the last time I watched this was probably like uh, even before I met you, uh-huh. to be honest. And, yeah. Um, and my life has changed so much since then. And to rewatch it and it, having more of a lack conscience to understand and and appreciate like some of the little things mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Well, considering we've appreciated the little things for almost three hours now, yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, surprisingly still not our longest episode. Oddly enough. That's so weird. I know. Uh, that said though, um, I think this is a good place as any to kind of, uh, you know, end this tale as old as time and maybe revisit it in the future mm-hmm. because, you know, this is one of those things that sticks with you. It was mm-hmm. great looking at it again. I, deeply deeply appreciate the craft of this movie a lot more now that i do have an adult sensibilities and the storytelling and realizing how tight the storytelling actually is the character development is the pacing the um the songs the music the attention to detail it's just i don't know if there's another disney movie i can think of off the top of my head that comes after this that compares in terms of like having that same kind of just everything coming together in such a profoundly effective way for a Disney movie. Um, and I have favorites that come later, that's for sure. But this one is really, and rightfully, special and rightfully loved mm-hmm. by Absolutely. a lot of people. Because you can see how this was like lightning in a bottle to a degree, you know? Um, it's, there's so much that's still going to resonate with people and there's so much... 
like memorable things about it. Like the the mirror, the um, the rose, like some most of the songs from it. Just there's so much from it that still still stands stands the test of time. Oh yes. Yeah. Again, this is why it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just as they say. <sighs> Beth, thank you for joining us on here. Oh, thank you for having me. Happy to do it. Uh, where can people find your work if there's anything you'd like to share with the uh, with our listeners? Uh, there's a lot of places that you can find me. Um, <laughs> most most of those places use the handle K-N-A-D-I-R-E and you can find it on places like uh, YouTube or uh, Twitter's the main place where I'm posting stuff as of late. Um, but I also have things like uh, Instagram. Um, I have a Newgrounds now, although I'm not really posting on that quite so much. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's what that's what I uh, go by in most places, and you can find uh, silly doodles, artistic stuff, and animations. Fantastic. Um, yeah, be sure to check out Beth's stuff if you get a chance, listeners. And uh, as for us, well, uh, also actually, gotta give credit to Beth. Beth uh, did the design for our animusing style as well. That's right. That I did. Yeah. That so... was years ago. That's why they almost. <laughs> yeah, it was a while back. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Kayla's got a different last name now too, so that's interesting as well. Well, when we hey, oh. we made it. We made it this far. That's really sick. <laughs> oh, no, when, when we get to Dawn Bloof, I'm bringing. Bethan again to recreate a new um, design for that. Oh, nice. (laughs) That one might be a little bit trickier to come up with, but I'll do my best. (laughs) Well, again, uh, thank you for for being a part of this, Beth, and uh, Yeah, it was a fun time. Awesome. I'm glad you you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed having you, and um, listeners, join us next time as we um, we, uh, move boldly into the 90s. Uh, Um, It's... uh, Next... Next month, we're going to be talking about... Um, Aladdin. Aladdin. Yes. And our next one. Yeah, and then I think our next Animusings Plus is going to be a little movie you might have heard of. I don't know, kind of a cult hit. Um, it surprisingly comes out during Christmas time, and we just happen to be recording it during Christmas time, and it's a Christmas time that's around Halloween. Uh, is it a... You got your Christmas in my Halloween. Basically. You got your Halloween in my Christmas. It's Nightmare for Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> cool. Uh, I thought it was Corpse Bride for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Aaron. I'm Brendan. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. And we're the hosts of Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. So, Aaron, what is Doughboys? Doughboys is this podcast hosted by Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell, who are two hilarious comedians, where they talk about chain restaurants every single week. So, wait, what's Boys then? Boys is a podcast hosted by Aaron, Brendan, Brian, and Rob, four hilarious comedians who talk about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Are we going to go to the same chain restaurants that the Doughboys are going to? I sure hope so, but if we don't, we're still going to record an episode. Do they have chain restaurants in Canada? <laughs> Some of them. So tune in to Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants, on BenviewNetwork.com. Every two weeks to listen to Boys, the podcast about the podcast about chain restaurants. Hey, does Feral Audio know we're doing this? This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it 
at bendunetwork.com. <laughs>